This week, I had a sudden desire to play Chrono Trigger on the Switch, which isn't currently possible. I could get out my 3DS and play it there, but the ergonomics of the Switch were a little bit better for me. I could play it on my phone and might since my 3DS's battery is very degraded. Why am I talking about myself right now? Because a Switch release is pretty likely to happen at some point and it's a happier thought than the rest of the news involving Square Enix right now. This is the Remake Orama update. Now it's time for your hosts, Rob Roberts, Jamie Summers, and Loki to get derailed by daylight and talk about the rest of the week's gaming news. Starting right now on the show, wherever gamer has a voice. Hello, my friends out there on the internet. Welcome back to another week of the show where every gamer has a voice. It is Orange Lounge Radio, and we are live once again after a week off with episode number 950 of our show, a landmark number of sorts, for tonight, March the 5th of 2023. My name is Rob Roberts, and I'm here with you every week, as are my co-hosts. Say hello to Dark Sakura or Jamie Summers. What's up? Hello. Well, I say every week, but not last week, but that's my fault. <laughs> it wasn't a bad reason. Yeah. No, and as, I, you know, as I've mentioned a few times on the show, I, uh, I went on a cruise. We were on a Star Trek-themed cruise. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately the only downside to that is that by going on vacation and, you know, doing a cruise and being in the airports and all that, Alan's feeling a little under weather today. Uh, we were supposed to meet Dark Sakura and one of our streamer friends who's in town, Nick and Prince, you and I both rate him a lot on our personal streams. I'm sure a lot of our viewers are familiar with him at this point. We were supposed to meet him for brunch today. You got to meet him for brunch, but I didn't because we're airing on the side of, Alan's feeling a little under the weather. It doesn't seem to be COVID yet, uh, but we're just going to err on the side of caution. And Nick seemed to appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we just both hope that, that Alan gets to feeling better soon and that you don't get it. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I I completely realize there's a risk with doing fun things in the world, but um, we tried our best, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, it could be, it could just be you know, bodies are worn down from a week straight worth of partying that honestly it could, it could just be a cold or something, you know, a little more, uh, a, a little more innocent, I suppose, than what we've become used to over the last three years. Were you aware that Brookfields no longer has mini loaves? No, that's a tragedy. It's a utter tragedy, but I did have a cranberry mimosa, so that was great. That's good. Did you get your uh, soup, your... No, I ended up because I made a whole bunch of soup yesterday and I'm going to eat that up. And then if I want avocado lemon, I'll go pick some up. Yeah. All right. Well, also say hello to, uh, I think, also a fan of soup. Say hello to Techmaster Loki. Soup is good. I've soup been known to have two soups in one meal. Two soups. It's, that's <laughs> an extra fancy meal. In real Raisin Bran, there's two soups. Uh, what, what, what's your favorite soup? Um, well, I like a good French onion soup. Ah, oh. As on the cruise, because you know you get to eat in the main dining room, and they have some. There's mm, a, a French onion soup that was so good. Yeah, that's one of my faves too. But a good chicken tortilla, I think, is always going to be one of my favorites. And now I'm craving French onion soup. Uh, <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. All right. Well, also say hello to all of you listening live as we do tape live every Sunday night at six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern, right after the Bobby Blackwolf show at the Voice of Geeks Network, twitch.tv slash VOG Network. And uh, you can chat along with our show if you're listening to us live over at twitch.tv slash VOG Network, where VXJasonXV chiming in on the soup says, hot and sour soup is my jam. I can't believe I forgot hot and sour soup. That is the best. Hot and sour mm-hmm. soup is the best. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. But no, I, I, number one, Avco Lemino. Number two, War Wanton. I, 
I do love War Wonton. And I know the vinegary part of hot and sour soup can really make it hit and miss for people. But when I'm sick, there's nothing I want more than hot and sour soup. It's number three. So good. Homemade chicken matzo soup. Mm. Matzo ball. Good times. Yeah, good potato time. soup is good too, especially when you put bacon now, bits in I there. do love potato soup. Since we're derailing this with soup, I will sure. tell you about the soup I made. Um, <clears throat> I we had a rotisserie chicken, and I keep a uh, like vegetable scraps that are still good. I'll freeze them in in my uh in my freezer and add them all into like a a stock. And so, but I didn't have very many, just like the ends of a couple of onions and like a basil leaf. So threw that in there, threw in some fresh uh, trimmings from my rosemary, oregano, thyme, um, and I took all the chicken off the rotisserie chicken and put that in the fridge, and then I cooked down all the bones for about four hours into a really good, rich bone stock, and then I strained all the bones out and threw all that away, and I added in another thing of chicken stock that I happen to have because I needed it loaded up. So what is in this soup is... Uh, dark meat and white meat rotisserie chicken, so it's nice and tender and not at all dry. It's got chard, leek, and then the mirepoix that you know you have to have that for for soup. It's which is onion, carrot, and uh, celery. Mm. And my soup is fucking delightful. Now I want soup, but I did this to myself. Congrats, I played myself. Um, <laughs> so uh, I make a good I make a good chicken soup. <laughs> Um, no cereal is not soup. On a on a programming type of note, so <laughs> I did mention the Star Trek cruise. That is where I was at, and you might be wondering, what the hell is a Star Trek cruise? What makes it different than a regular cruise? And the short answer is the celebrities and the shows. But the long answer, I'm going to do a special stream here at Vogue Network. We haven't been able to do a lot of special programming outside of Sunday nights, but I really want to try to get correcting the course on that so thursday here at vog network at about 5 30 pacific 8 30 eastern um captain matt formerly of the starboard power coupling formerly formerly grandpa warcraft from horde house who was also on the cruise with me and and essentially was the one that got me to start going on the cruise will be joining me for a special stream on thursday night to talk all about the cruise even if you could give a shit about the star trek cruise we're gonna play overwatch together live on stream he plays competitively. I don't. <laughs> so it's, and if you've uh, ever heard Matt and I interacting, you know, he can sometimes get very frustrated with me when I'm a baddie. So I'm sure it'll be fun for nothing else, but for that. So check that out Thursday here at the voice geeks network. Uh, we will uh, remind you on our discord server over at vognetworkcom slash discord. Of course, before that show, uh, I think that's all the plugs out of the way. Uh, before I get to the kickoff topic tonight, which I'll ask Loki about in a minute, um, Loki, I do want to ask about, because uh, it was noted in the chat, that you are you have some type of like Jurassic Park on-rails shooter playing behind you live tonight, because you can see the video when you watch us here at Twitch TV. And I'm, I am, even I'm curious, I, I don't know this Jurassic Park game that's playing behind you. I saw the logo, so I know it's Jurassic Park and not some dino world knockoff, but what what is this? It is the staple of most modern arcades nowadays. It's Jurassic Park the Arcade by Raw Thrills. It's it oh. is an on rail shooter Jurassic Park game. Got it. Yeah. It's like There's my like my youngest everywhere. son's favorite game at the arcade. Is it? Okay, I was kind of curious why you picked that game. You know, I what I was a little bummed to miss the shenanigans that uh, Dark Soccer and Nick Prince were up to earlier today because the the play. I guess it's okay for me to say that because you're 
you're done now. So it's not like listeners can go find you, but the, the place where they met up was Brookfield's, the little restaurant in front of Roseville Golfland. And I was thinking, Oh, wouldn't it be a hoot if dark soccer and I went over to Roseville Golfland after and took some sad face movies to show here on the show of our old stopping grounds instead of Roseville Golfland. Oh, that's probably smart. Um, and Nick was talking about having played that Minecraft game there, but we went to Target. Oh, Tarshay. Good times. And did some adulting. Oh, my gosh. Fun. Well, Dryer sheets. You know what's funny? I also had to do a Target run before my cruise. Thank God my sister lives in Long Beach and was able to play chauffeur because I did not pack the guard for my clippers. Uh-oh. So I had to go to Target and get a cheap thing of clippers, which we kind of needed a new one anyway, which whatever just because I forgot the guard and I didn't want, uh, Alan has a big bushy beard, which is very handsome, but, um, I, mine will grow uneven. It will be very ugly if I don't keep it, uh, uh, even. Trim. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one of the things though, is that, you know, that like the part of Roseville closer to the, the freeway mm-hmm. is like my old, my old stomping grounds like we sure. used to shop at that trader joe's over there yeah um and so when i dropped nick off i actually went over there and went back to it's called the oriental market it's very very lots of good filipino food like you can get all kinds of frozen lumpia and everything and i bought ube rolls and is, i'm super happy is that in the same shopping center as trader joe's it's a bit down the street okay because i was like when I when I was a kid growing up there, none of that was the same. Like it wasn't even Trader Joe's. It was something else. That I don't even remember what it was, but it wasn't Trader Joe's. So it was just yeah. yeah. There there were some things that were still there, like they were before, like the same Starbucks is there. But I was happy. The one which thing was that, a Chubby's that, Diner, for the record, not a Starbucks. <laughs> well, the thing that makes me a little bit sad though is that when I went in, the ladies working didn't have on Filipino dramas, mm-hmm. which are hilarious to watch if you don't understand the language i bet all right well let's get into some games and talk about some of the things from this week and maybe some of the things we missed as well we'll invite your topics a little later on in the show i think most of our news tonight is from the past week but if there's something we missed from two weeks ago you really want us to touch on we'll get to that during the listener roundtable a little bit later but for now let's talk about the story we talk about every week Every it's the week. ongoing soap opera that is the acquisition of Activision by Microsoft. But there's some interesting and- developments this week that 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 are worth talking about here. Yes, according to uh, Reuters, the European Commission is considered likely to approve the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. That's surprising, actually, because I, I wonder what changed. Because all the predictions were saying that they weren't going to approve that. And I don't know if maybe some of the concessions or the Nintendo announcement or some of these like Call of Duty. I'd be very curious. And and granted, I could have just missed some of this. I've been, I've been out of the loop on the news. Full, full disclosure. Like when I was on the boat, I'm not sitting there reading Twitter or social, any form of social media and, and keeping it uh, on top of the gaming news. I'm enjoying the cruise. So I don't know if something swung the pendulum hard the other direction, but it's fascinating to me that all of the needles were, they're going to say no, they're going to say no. And now it's, they're going to say yes, because I think if they say yes, I, I, th- I think Europe was more likely to say no than America, quite frankly. I'm sorry. Now I have Madeline Kahn in my head going, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I think it's probably they've been showing that, 
you know, they are committed to putting their games out multi-platform, like with these different deals that they're doing with like NVIDIA, Steam, mm-hmm. um, Nintendo. So it's, I don't know. I think it's probably some goodwill there, at least with, you know, making those moves and probably further looking. I mean, honestly, like if you look in the Sony, like they do the same stuff. Like we, like, are you really going to say like, that they don't pay for exclusives and stuff like that. Like they do that all the time. Like, and so it'd be interesting to see what comes out of that. Speaking of which, uh, one of the things that may come out of that is revealing what Sony actually pays for exclusives because they are making deals with different companies to bring games over there. And part of that argument is that they are paying to have games, not only on their service, but also paying to keep them off of game pass. Which, you know, it kind of shows that they're being a little anti-competitive, if you ask me. Or maybe they are being competitive, I don't know. Um, but it, it is interesting, though. Especially, like, I just think the whole back and forth with them, like, saying, well, you know, we just won't have the competitive advantage anymore. It's like, really? Like, if that, if that didn't go through, they would totally try to buy Activision. They would do the same thing. Um, and, of course, going along with that, you know, we still have Phil Spencer still downplaying the whole acquisition thing saying basically that if you know it doesn't you know end up going through that xbox will still exist you know they're gonna still be there um you know it's not some sort of linchpin for their long-term plan or whatever which is true i mean they've got tons of different publishers already um yeah i just think it's all just strategic right now trying to get the acquisition to go through and Mm -hmm. we'll see what actually happens Mm mm-hmm What's developing in court, though, is very interesting. That's for sure. There's, uh, you know, now it's the, the whole trying to get Sony to show their cards, too, right? It's, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of surprised. And, I, you know, I'm going to be fully honest. I'm not sure how this all works in civil court. But I, and I'm not a lawyer, right? You know, so I, I'm fully willing to admit my ignorance, which a lot of people that talk about video games aren't willing to do. So I'm just putting that on the table up front, Okay. I I would think that in a civil court, a judge could like gag order some of these secrets that, yes, they need to be discussed in the courtroom, but there's going to be a gag order on it so that these secrets don't get released outside the courtroom. And I don't know if there's just a concern that somebody's going to leak it or what's what's Uh, going on. I mean, could they I don't know if the European Union has like an equivalent of like a Freedom of Information Act type request or whatever, Mm. where you can do that, like to reveal the secrets i guess if you will yeah but some Um, secrets still i think about all the things that the former president's been doing in court and there's a lot of it and all the redacted documents that come out of that granted now i do know a lot of that is criminal and because of who it involves you know but it's also ongoing like you know stuff so like if it's mm, done then that would probably be released okay i could see that unless it's like national security stuff or yeah, something like that i guess yeah and video games are not national security believe it or not so no matter what sony and microsoft let you believe they're not that important do i mean do, do does the public I, i'm gonna ask a really weird question here does the public have a right to know what sony's paying for this stuff i i kind of think the public should know some of this stuff. Like, you know, I, I don't think it changes anything at the end of the day. It's not like somebody's going to be like, well, I'm not going to buy a PlayStation 5 because Sony does this. I, I kind of feel like some of this transparency ought to be out on the table. I don't know. 
Yeah, because it, it gives the impression, like, assuming that, say, you... I mean, I, it, it's... it's. I don't think anyone's really thinking this, like, you know, like, with... I, I don't know, like... Uh, Basically, what I'm saying is, like, if you take, like, a game and then put it, like, if I'm picking a specific platform to release it on, you could, you know, draw the conclusion, like, well, I picked the better platform to release it on because I think this is a stronger platform overall. But if you don't see that there's money being exchanged or how much money is being exchanged, you might think, oh, well, you know, this platform is just better. That's why. I mean, sure, they may have paid a little bit, but like this platform is just better because that's why they're that's why Square is choosing to release their games on Sony's platform. But if it ends up, it's like, oh yeah, but they're also getting like two hundred million dollars, or, or I don't know, you know, just some stupid amount, like twenty million dollars to release their game on that platform. That may all of a sudden kind of bring a little bit more clarity to it. Whether it's like, well, it's not really a better platform. It's just that they just paid them a ton of money to do that. So. Right. It's it is important, I think, to have some of that transparency there because, yeah, it does kind of skew things a bit. You may think, oh, well, it, you know, it's because they're good guys. No, no, (laughs) not necessarily. Nobody's good in capitalism. Nobody's no, no, yeah, and the game industry and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Let's get some comments from the chat over twitch.tv slash vog network. DJ Rama S says Sony's dirty laundry is about to be aired, and I am here for it. There are a lot of people that seem to be bringing the uh, marshmallows and the chocolate and the graham crackers to what's about to happen in court. I don't. I mean, like again, I just see it as like a transparency thing. I don't. I don't think Sony's going to get raked over the coals for it. Like everybody's going to forget about it. It's like, going to be it, just a little embarrassing. Like they're they're going to have to show their ass, figuratively and somewhat literally, and it's going to be a little embarrassing. But at the end of the day, it's just an ass. It's just business, right? So we know they're probably paying an obscene, questionable amount of money for this, or this wouldn't be under discussion in the first place. That's kind of my take on it. Dijeram S also says, it's crazy. I know people that will sell their PS4s and 5s if the deal goes through. No, they're, they're not going to They're not gonna sell a play. People say the wildest shit when you put a keyboard and a monitor in front of them. People say the wildest shit. You know what? If they do it, I say buy it off them, get a good deal. I'll, also, I'll, who I'll cares? Half of what it's worth. Who cares what a what a person like? Who cares what someone does with their console or not? Like, do we really need to be in the loop if someone sells their console or buys a console or like has an opinion on about something? Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. Someone on the internet has an opinion. <laughs> They're shouting this. They're making threats. Like anybody Loudly? cares. Nobody cares. Nobody. You know. <laughs> sorry rama i know you call them your friends but it's just like a real just like a real friend will tell you when you're acting like a fool it, it, it's just it's it's bad like i don't know like it, it, it to me it's just it's it's like that scene at jurassic park see no one cares no one cares you know <laughs> we shout it from the rooftop no one cares the only people that care are the other people that are just like that so they can stick in their own little click and be stupid together i don't really care uh, see it to be. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, there's literally nothing. Like, like I always dog on like Nintendo. Like, there's literally nothing Nintendo could do. Okay, well, almost nothing Nintendo could do. I mean, like, if they came out and said, "Hey, we hate all trans people and like burn in hell everybody," then yeah, then I might be more, you know, motivated to sell my console that I have from them. But like, yikes, hyperbole. <laughs> I mean, but, but like, aside from that, like, just business decisions. Like, if they purchase Konami or something like that you know 
good luck with them. Um, like, I just wouldn't care. Like, it, it wouldn't be anything that they could do business-wise. Are you saying Nintendo that, could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and would never be held accountable for it? I mean... I, that That's what he's saying, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Probably. And unfortunately, as much disdain as I have for the reference I just made, he wasn't wrong, clearly. That's well, like the one care. thing he it's wasn't just, wrong it's on. It's just the insane idiots that yeah. follow him don't care. So, you know, but they don't care about anything. So anyway, uh, back to chat comments. Get us back on track. Sia Tabiri says, Hoeg Law, H-O-E-G Law on YouTube does a great job of going through some of the legal aspects of this. Uh, great. I, I'll have to check that out. Although I always prefer reading it as opposed to having to watch a 10 minute YouTube. But I get it. It's 2023 and I need to stop being old. Um, Questbuster says a side note, the EU is giving the deal its blessing due to the concessions being made. And Microsoft is apparently not expected to sell certain assets to make it happen. But UK regulators are still concerned over the deal. A ruling isn't expected until April, making a a distinction here between EU and the UK, which remember, if you heard the word Brexit, those are two very different things right now. So uh, good, good clarification there uh, on that. Uh, and as Joan had a map mentions, personal information can be sealed. Everything else is public record. At least it should be. That's that's we are talking about publicly traded companies. That is uh, a good perspective on that. So thank you for that. Um, Questbuster says Sony's deals will make news like when people found out about how much Epic paid for their exclusives during their bout with Apple. Oh, yeah, I remember there was a big spreadsheet from Epic that made the news. And then it was like, wow. And then it was gone. And I bet people hardly remember it. And it's going to be the same. It. It'll be the same thing with Sony. It's like, wow, it's your ass. And then everybody will forget the next week because that's the way the Internet works. Just like anyone remember when, you know. PlayStation Online was down for you know a couple months <laughs> exactly. or whatever you know yeah. years ago. Like anybody remember that? Yes, yes. No, that, that was Sony showing hole when that happened. That was that was the black hole of PlayStation Network when that whole thing happened, and everybody forgot that. So there it is. No, um, I don't remember. Let's see. Um, S two one hundred Matt says, but this is all part of business. If the roles were reversed, Microsoft would be making heck for Sony if they were buying ABK. One difference, I think Sony would not be as generous as Microsoft is with Call of Duty exclusivity. And I no, they would not. They absolutely, no, absolutely not. not. Absolutely not for sure. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Zen Monkey Eleven says, I said I wouldn't buy any more Xbox consoles after three hundred and sixty, and I still haven't. I have an Xbox X controller, though, and Game Pass, LOL. Well, it's not a total loss for Microsoft, but I think you're admitting to that in your own what you're saying there. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Mike Def says, console wars do exist, and we're seeing it with all this ordeal, but we're not the soldiers fighting it. We're just the innocent bystanders. Interesting percent. The console wars these days sure aren't what it used to be. I remember the I'm, I'm sure all of us old gamers remember the full page ads genesis does what nintendo don't and all those things and it definitely feels like the console wars aren't fought by marketing teams anymore they're fought by social media people and youtube people and it's exhausting like now we all look at that and go this is even more ridiculous than some of those game ads we used to see and let me tell you there were some ridiculous magazine game ads back in the day if you've not seen any there's a whole internet out there. Go look at some of these ridiculous game ads and tell me what you think. So, 
Uh, Bobby Blackwolf also says they want Xbox to be a platform, not a console. The fact you have Game Pass means they got what they wanted from you. Yes. Uh, and Questbuster says so much shade in those magazine ads. I remember the Final Fantasy VII ad that mocked cartridges. Oh yeah, it was always it was mm-hmm. it was always something. Anyway, all right. Well, let's talk about the ads that worked on us as we talk about the video games that we've been playing this week in a segment called "How Was Your Gaming Week." Dark Soccer. And if you want, you can do "How Was Your Gaming Two Weeks" because it has been a minute. So, Dark Soccer, how was your gaming week? Well, um, it was the usual stuff. There was some Dead by Daylight. Um, I tried to play Star Ocean, but my controller's kind of fucked up. Um, like, this that has served me well for, like, the last eight or nine years. or No, less than that. Not more like seven. But anyway, it's been a while. Um, my right shoulder button's been out for a while, and now it's making other buttons stick. Um, so I ordered another one. Um... And uh, so I actually played Cult of the Lamb oh, instead, fun. and it was it was nice revisiting Cult of the Lamb. Um, Have they done any uh, content updates, patches, extra things to that game since the? Um... It's just that there's supposed to be a new a new DLC for it coming out. Oh, cool! So I'm uh, I'm I'm hoping that it's it's going to be good. Like they said, that there's supposed to be like new buildings in the game that you can make. Um. So, um, I, I'm still doing Dead by Daylight. I hit Eerie 4, which made me happy. Congrats. Um, thanks. Um, okay, and I made, actually, I made friends with somebody I bought stickers from on Etsy, who actually, for those who are watching, did this. Oh, cute. A little Susie, and I have a, a pigu that's at my at my desk at work, and also did this. Which is uh, art for the podcast a listeners, pig. an artwork of the yeah. pig. Yeah. And, but I had bought some stickers and Kime, uh, 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 my new friend, has been swiffing with us. So uh, the, the, the team Yeet grows. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, what, did I, what did I do? I played some Midnight Suns, you know, kind of slowly easing my way back into it. It's just being back to work has kind of broken my concentration for stuff so i'm like easing my brain back into things so um oh yeah and i played a little bit more beatlemania i love that table it's like the 1964 era of beatles music but Mm -hmm. it's done like one of those old school pinball tables it's got like the big curved end in the open play field and but with enough modern touches that it's really fresh and then um, we watched a thing, but I guess I'm talking about it later in the show, so I'll be quiet about it. Now. <laughs> okay, fair now. enough. Yeah. All right. Well, then with that, I'll go over to Loki. How was your gaming week? I just played Minecraft. Well, an edited video. So, like, I had um, an episode come out on the 24th, I believe. So my uh, modded series, and that was fun. And we, I built a starter house there. Um and then I've been working on uh, making flowers <laughs> in Minecraft. Okay. Oh. Giant flowers. All right. I'll have to uh, see what that's all about in your next video. <laughs> it's it's the it's the new uh, the new robot master. Oh oh, actually, I'm sorry. There was a whole lot of stuff that went on. Okay. So let me let me back up here. So a few things. Um. So first off, um. I have my yeah eight robot masters that are part of my series. 
I'm building in a Mega Man theme this on uh, the season on the Channel 64 SMP, uh, which is cool because I tried to pick like the beginning of the season. I wanted to pick a unique uh, build theme style or whatever that nobody has done before because I knew like everybody picks like you know I'm gonna play, do cyberpunk or I'm gonna do steampunk or I'm gonna cottage core or something like that. So I was like, okay, Mega Man. No one's done Mega Man because I've looked online. All I see is like pixel art stuff that people copy. No one's actually done Mega Man. So I picked Mega Man. And I have my eight robot masters that I'd commissioned and created custom robot masters based off of the mobs in Minecraft. So the second one I'm working on right now, uh, because I finished the area for the first one, the second one is the Axolotl Woman. And she is like super cute. She's got like this uh, robotic axolotl thing that looks really derpy, kind of almost looks like a duck billed platypus or something like that. Um, but her area has like giant flowers in it. Originally, I was going to be basing it off of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, but then I put that together and it didn't quite look right. Hmm. It wasn't like robotic enough. Um, so I've started now with robotic flowers that are going to be basically these giant solar arrays or solar panel arrays, um, which it looked really cool, even though it took a week to put together. Um, but that aside, so a couple other things happened while that was all going on. So Mo Yang decided that hey, we're gonna put out some Mega Man X DLC for oh, um, that's right, Minecraft I, yeah. Bedrock. So I was like, this sounds like an opportunity for me. So I was like, okay, hey, hey, you like that DLC? Well, guess what? Like, I've been working on this stuff, and it's also Mega Man related. And so I got, you know, some retweets and stuff like that. Uh, a couple of the developers noticed as well. Then they decided that they're going to do this new thing. It's uh, called uh, Feature Me Minecraft. Um, and what's the first theme that they pick? It's Mega Man. Who has Mega Man builds out the wazoo because he's been working on it for six months? This guy. So... <laughs> it's gonna there's a very good possibility that i'll probably be featured on uh minecraft's website here oh my god soon. finally i'm so happy to see That's loki rad. what have we been telling you for the longest time you stick with it and there's going to be something that finally comes through well, and helps we'll you get what, that push yeah. you need i know we'll we see what that does i know we like, don't want to set mean, the expectations too high but i'm i mean the fact that the developer saw it loki that's huge that's huge yeah, so, like, yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, I've been just plugging away at that stuff. And um, I think I've got a good, you know, start, obviously, because I've got some pretty big builds already that I've, you know, captured and everything and, um, you know, tagged in that. And there's not really, I haven't really seen any other submissions on uh, Twitter yet. And it ends in, like, 10 days. So, I mean. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so happy for you preemptively so hopefully. maybe i need to calm down what um but since since that did come out during the week we were out i'm kind of curious like what are your thoughts in general on the mega man crossover because it looks kind of neat I mean, it looks cool. I got, yeah i'm like i'm not a huge minecraft guy like you are and i was like oh i should fire up minecraft and check that out yeah it's they've been doing a lot of these like different things where they'll have maps that they make um they're like dlcs but it's basically maps that they make that uh have different like gameplay like so they did one not that long ago of like sonic and it actually plays a bit like Sonic, like you're running really, really fast and stuff like that. Um, the Mega Man X one, I think, is similar to Mega Man X as well. I think you can actually like shoot um, your Buster and like even like a, fight some of the enemies and stuff. I haven't actually played it yet because I don't play a lot of Bedrock, but um, I may have to check it out. It looks pretty cool, and the the aesthetic was definitely you know Mega Man. So um, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how many of like the stages they re- recreated in there as well. And that'd be kind of interesting because it's kind of 2D. I'm not sure if they like fixed the camera angle. So it's like side scrolling because in the trailer kind of looked like is a little mix of both. So maybe. But I know all the updates that they've been doing for like uh, 120 and stuff. They're supposed to be coming out, I, I imagine, pretty soon. Have been kind of based on like uh, adding more robust uh, customization for these map packs because I mean that's really where their bread and butter is with that I mean because they're not making money off the Java version of Minecraft you buy it once like 10 years ago and then that's it um, it's all the map and you know DLC and custom all sorts of things on their marketplace on the bedrock uh, side of things that's basically you know all the mobile platforms all sure. the console platforms sure. and you know PC as well but I mean, yeah, and I get it. I get it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, at the very least, yeah, I got a few people looking at stuff. I, I mean, like, I just think it's like the year, like, you know, 2023, like, who actually goes out to the Minecraft website? Like, mm, I don't know. So we'll see if they feature it in, like, surprise. They do, like, different videos and stuff. I mean, it'd be cool. At least it'd be on there. No. So we'll, it we'll also, see what It happens. puts you in their orbit. And they'll, they'll, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's the other important thing too. It gets you noticed by the people that can help elevate you. It's, it's, I, you know, again, I'm trying not to put the cart before the horse. Let's see what happens, but, uh, I'm, I will, I'm going to check your Twitter a lot. I'm, I'm not as good at checking Twitter as I used to be for reasons I've talked about prior on this show. I'm, I'm a little more on the Mastodon bandwagon at this point, but I'm, I will make it a point to check your Twitter regularly to see what happens of this. Cause I'm dying to know. Yeah, I mean, it's got, was it, the post that I, I responded to their build challenge tweet, it's got about 4,100 views on it and like 85 likes. Oh, it's been that's, five times. that's great. So, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Loki's soon going to be the next uh, big YouTuber and he's going to... Uh gonna say fuck this show i'm big timer now no i'm kidding he wouldn't i know he wouldn't all right (laughs) all right right, um moving on i'll talk quickly i'm assuming that's it for your gaming week i mean yeah that's it it's a that's a pretty difficult thing to follow up uh my gaming week i didn't play a lot of games this week y'all know why i was focusing on just having a good time on the boat and being social i met a lot of new people but we'll get into that on thursday um but when i got home because uh, we've been home since Friday. It was a Friday to Friday cruise. So we've been home since Friday. I have been playing quite a bit of Diablo 3. Uh, yep, I'm back on that. But because they put out a brand new season last week uh, while I, I was out of town. So uh, season 28 started. And the big new thing with season 28 is that they have this new altar. So they have like a talent progression thing on the altar, which is similar to what Diablo 4 has in store. So it's a little bit of a tie-in to Diablo 4's release because this they haven't said this is the last season but my assumption is season 30 will probably be like a good number for them to end on which would be like the forever see they'll they'll find a mechanic that they can run perpetually at that point um so they're probably getting closer and closer to that but i am having fun with diablo 3 some of the builds have changed a lot it's kind of added some new things it's really fast to level now because the first talent you get doubles the massacre bonus, what's called, is when you uh, kill a lot of enemies in succession. And so if you just kind of grind these certain maps, you can level up very fast. So yeah, I've just been enjoying Diablo 3, but honestly, that's like the only game I've really played since I got back. Oh, I did play one round of Dead by Daylight last night. One round to get my challenge done. Uh, I had to sabo four hooks and get chased as Kate Denson. 
but I was up against a Wesker who couldn't chase and never chased me the entire match. So I oh sat on my God. hooks though. Yeah, it was a it was a baby, but that's okay. I, when I see babies, yeah, I, you know what I do? I don't teabag. I just leave the fucking match. That's what I do when I see babies. <laughs> I've noticed though, like a lot of baby killers these days. Yeah, and I'm a baby killer like, too. So, well, I, I mean, but I'm I'm more like my thing is like, like I've seen them do the camping crap. Oh. And so I will stay afterwards, and if they're if there's something I can communicate with, I will usually let them have it. This this Wesker yeah. tried to camp the final hook after the exits were open, but um, actually, actually he did get one of the survivors out because they fucked around and found out, and uh, they yep. they they got slammed into the exit gate. They forgot that Wesker can slam you into the exit <laughs> gate. That was, and that was not the play. They fucked around. They found out. So. Exactly. You know, but you know what I say, you know, the, when the gates are open, all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was really it for my gaming week. You know, another big thing that I missed this week, No Man's Sky put out a new Mm -hmm. expedition. I do plan to check that out. I'm going to stream that on Tuesday on my personal channel for a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, um, uh, I didn't get to, I, it's the first time that I've ever missed a No Man's Sky Twitch Drops campaign. I've been, I've collected every reward from every other Twitch campaign. I missed this one completely because I was on a boat. Um, so that's that. So, um, before we that's get to, not anything to be sorry. No, about. It, it really isn't. It really isn't. Um, and I'll tell you more on th- Thursday. You going, I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you more on Thursday. Just the celebrities they had this year with great, so personable, approachable. Like I'll, I'll give you a, a, a little tease. I know you ha- you interviewed Todd Stashwick on a podcast some time ago and have kept in touch. He was extremely yeah. well received by the crowd. He did a great job with like, he introduced the new episode of Picard which we got to watch mm-hmm. in a big group. And it was it was like being at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but Star Trek. Yeah. It was great. And like, I'm not going to spoil anything that happened in the episode, but I will just say mm-hmm. there is, there's um, Crusher and there's a doctor who's not as likable. And when the doctor who's not as likable showed up, somebody in the back went, bitch! And everybody started laughing. So that it's, it's that. I liked Pulaski. No, no, no. It's not Pulaski. It's because it's, not it's Pulaski. No, no. It's somebody completely different. So I, I, again, I don't want to spoil. So oh, no, no, oh, it's, oh. I, I don't think you would know it's different. So anyway, okay. I'll just leave it at that. For those that are watching Picard, you'll get it. For those that aren't, you won't. And that's the point. Um, but it was really fun to watch that at a crowd. And um, I will say the last night of the cruise, Tawny Newsome, who voices Mariner on Lower Decks, she is on fire with her improv. She's so good. But she was a late add to the cruise because she was the other one they added when Kate Mulgrew backed out. So when Kate Mulgrew had to back out, they added Shatner eh, and Tawny Newsome. Yay. Tawny Newsome, you can tell that they must have went to her and said, what event do you want to host on the boat? You can do anything you want. What do you want to do? So the last night of the cruise, I went to a Beyonce Renaissance album dance party hosted by Tawny Newsome. That sounded amazing. I will treasure those types of moments forever. That is, it was, it was everything. Like I, I literally had to sit down and go, is this real life? This is incredible. So more stories like that on Thursday. I'll leave you with that tease. 
So that's pretty awesome. Um, also, um, I will mention, I forgot, I was going to bring this up on the, the toss call <laughs> with Bobby Blackwolf, uh, but we can talk about it more in depth next week, but I will just also confirm, uh, Bobby and myself will be at dragon con 2023. I mean, no surprise there, right? You kind of knew that was coming. Uh, just confirming we are both going to be, uh, professional, uh, attending professionals once again, which means we will have a variety of panels, um, that you can come watch and do all the good stuff with. And I know this is going to a hundred percent happen because the flights have been booked as of this last week. Alan is going to his first dragon con this year. So it's not just, and it's not just me going, it's Alan going. And I'm, I'm trying to talk Alan into doing a panel, but he's, he, he's not there yet mentally, but I'm hoping I can get him there. I would love for him to just be a panelist on one panel. I think he would be so good. So uh, we'll see. I'm going to try. I'm going to keep trying. But uh, look forward to that in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend. So there's that. So uh, DJ Rama S says, is Alan cosplaying? That's a great question, actually. Um, Not yet. But I think Alan and I are going to need to invest in some Starfleet uniforms because we already booked for next year's Star Trek cruise. (laughs) so so no show february 20 something 2024 just getting that out there now (laughs) the same week in february next year you're you're gonna have off again (laughs) still i i think that you should show ds9 some love because it was the best start this whole cruise was ds9 love uh i have a photo with the cast of ds9 i'll have to show it to you uh it was great and we got to do we got to do a charity breakfast with um, Chase Masterson, who played Lita on a lot of episodes. Um, and she yep. she does a great anti bullying charity called Be Kind, and she talked a lot about that. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Join us Thursday. We'll talk more about that. But yes, Deep Space Nine was well represented because they were it was the 30th anniversary, so they they had a lot of um, the cast there. It was really cool. That's absolutely my favorite series. It's 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 interesting how that series is getting a lot more love now. They're saying that streaming really help that series out a lot and get the credit that it deserved that it wasn't getting before. It's very interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, Jaskrin says, hell yeah, to Alan being there. I know Jaskrin goes to Dragon Con. Yeah, I'm really excited about that too as well. Um, YYR asking uh, kind of a, a, a out of the blue question, but I like this. So let me a- ask this question before, or answer this question before we get into the stories tonight. YYR says, did anyone else catch the DDR tournament last night on the Ohio DDR Twitch channel? It was mind blowing. The new players coming on up to the pinnacle of human skill are just amazing. And my short answer is no, but my long answer is I wish I'd known about it and I would have, but probably because again, I'd been out for a week. Of course I didn't know about it. Um, but I do think it's fascinating that because these things can be streamed, you know, I think back, okay. So I was like, they didn't really stream DDR contests back in the day. You had to wait for the videos to be published later, but remember the DDR tournament at pier 39, it was called B3. There was mm-hmm. a live stream of that tournament. Who, who did it? Us at orange Launch okay. radio. It's our, our first major uh, on location. Although I event. did run off off with, uh, with a mutual friend for lunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unf- I think that was when we gave the microphone to Jahi, if you remember him, and he just he just ran uh, the show for like two hours. Vibes, and, and I'm sure I it was amazing. Jahi. I miss that guy too. So funny. Um, but anyway, um, what else was I going to say about uh, that tournament? Oh, there was no video back then because this was ancient times. It was like 2004. <laughs> we didn't have the internet for video. So it was like audio only, but it was really, 
really fun. And YYR says there were 900 people watching live towards the end. So this got noticed. That's awesome. I, I really want to see uh, some DDR tournaments on Twitch. I think that's a great thing. And we know that DDR and dance games in general have been getting more visibility because of things like Games Done Quick that have done the showcases on Twitch and so forth. And not just that. There's been you know tournaments and lots of things. And you know even us olds in our 40s can that that were back we're into DDR back in the day we all recognize there's some new kid there's some up and coming kids now there's some new kids up and coming doing that thing we used to do and I think it's great I'm gl- I'm glad the DDR is thriving and I I realize that you know round one's resurgence getting more arcade machines out there and so forth have really helped give that game a new uh, tailwind and I think it's great so yeah and freestyle takeover always streams that stuff yep 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 so. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Please do ping the discord. If you catch one of those in progress later on. All right. Um, let's move on. Let's get into some of the other news we missed this week and we will go to Loki for tonight's story, which isn't directly about video games, but it kind of is. It's super, it's super adjacent. No, I, I, I have a follow-up story to this from my trip, but I'm going to let you tell this. I mean, when you think about it though, what, what, um, retail store carries the majority of these it's a game store it's gamestop and we're talking about funko pops gamestop's number one export nowadays and funko pops um maybe not doing as well as uh, they had hoped but apparently uh there is going to be 30 million dollars worth of funko pops heading to a landfill it's like it's 1983 all over again and we're burying you know et in landfills but no um, they're going to be, I guess, dumping those because they're not able to sell them off. Uh, they yeah. end, inventory at the end of the year totaled twenty or $246.4 million, an increase of 48% compared to a year ago. Uh, it says the inventory, or this includes inventory that the company intends to eliminate in the first half of 2023 to reduce fulfillment costs by managing inventory levels to align with the operating operating capacity of our distribution center because it costs money to store things in a warehouse. So therefore it's best for them to get rid of those things in a warehouse mm-hmm. or just, you know, don't manufacture them in the first place. Well, they actually have canceled a bunch of series like the dead by daylight pops they were going to do, which I was super excited about. They canceled them. Yeah. Cause they're probably producing a lot of these. I can only imagine it would be very hard to, estimate and forecast what they would need for a lot of these and you know who knows when stuff either gets moved around canceled i mean i don't know if they're making funko pops based off like you know batgirl or anything like that those movies but like i i can only imagine that you know there's a finite amount of funko pops that a person can own or have room for like right i well, look at look at what happened with their stock prices when they announced their forecast for Q4. Everything just flushed. Yeah, yeah. These things so. have been oversaturated for some time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I've and look, I don't hate Funko Pops. I just recognize that it, they're they're too much, and they, they are. I this comment in chat, Djerama S says, "Let's be real, Funko over licensed properties for pops that shouldn't be." Absolutely, and I, I it's interesting to me. I, I made the little joke comparison in the sidebar here uh, live on Twitch. <laughs> They're going to join Atari 2600 properties in the garbage heap because the same thing happened to Atari back in the day. And those do- documentaries about them digging up copies of E.T. out of the landfill and stuff are really fascinating. And it's interesting that Funko is meeting a similar fate. And it's 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 the great Funko crash 
is what we're seeing play out now. But how does this affect video games? This is going to be the final nail in the coffin for GameStop. This will absolutely be the final nail in the coffin for GameStop. I, I think, it, but it's, I mean, it's all they sell nowadays, or at least mostly what they sell. You go in there and there's equal, if not more space per, like you look at each, you would think that Funko was its own like game console because they have more shelf space yeah. than, than games. And I mean, it's understandable because they probably make more margin from that. And it comes down to just, they're in survival mode over there. And yeah, I just, yeah, I don't see it happening. They couldn't even do it when their their <laughs> their stock is over evaluated for like how much it's worth, and like they couldn't even do that with that cash cash influx. It's just they still it's just not a successful business model anymore. I think. Let me tell you an interesting. Oh, go ahead, Jamie. I was just gonna say though, like if they completely crash and go out of business, then wait for like another five years and people will be like, Oh, fun goes. And then you'll find them for like super expensive. Mm -hmm. Let me tell an interesting, aside story from the cruise. I <laughs> promise it's relevant. It is absolutely relevant. So, um, it, as part of the cruise, not only was it a star Trek cruise, but cruises go to cities, right? So, uh, we port, we docked in three different ports, Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan and Puerto Vallarta. I'd never been to Puerto Vallarta and I was very excited to go and I had a great time. But one of the things I saw, we had more hours in Puerto Vallarta than anywhere else. And the boat docked across the street from a mall. And I was just kind of curious, like, oh, I wonder what the malls in Mexico are like. I wonder what kind of stuff I can find there and, you know, things that maybe I can't find back home and so forth. So we went into the mall in uh, uh, Puerto Vallarta and I saw a store called Game Planet. And I, my, my brain actually kind of thought of this show because we've had a listener from Mexico for a long time that's listening to the show, Mike Deft. Hala, I know you're listening out there. And Mike Deft has always really kind of enlightened us a bit to how gaming purchases kind of work in another country uh, where maybe some game companies have not always had an official presence. And that was always very fascinating to me. Now, keep in mind, Mexico, big country, just like the U.S., Right. Uh, Mike Deft lives in like Oregon and the place in Mexico I was at was like Oklahoma. Okay. There were very different parts. Puerto Vallarta is a very different part of the country. However, there was a store I went into in the mall called Game Planet. And when I went into the mall or went into the store, my first reaction was, this is, this is just a GameStop. This is like, but it's way more Nintendo stuff. I noticed. Cause I was like, oh, Nintendo probably has a presence. But then the other, the back half of the wall, and I'm going to show this, I'm sorry, uh, to the podcast listeners. Let me actually switch the shot here real, so you can see this. Notice how the back wall where I'm standing, it's all Funkos, just like any GameStop. I think I took that picture and sent it to our Discord. And then, of course, like game cards uh, for like PlayStation Network and some other things. Otherwise, the signage was all in Spanish and all that, but it was pretty much like any GameStop I've ever been into otherwise. But it was interesting because I kind of thought about... Um, Mike Deft uh, when I when I went in there. So uh, SHO 100 Matt says, I was blown away that Sears is alive and thriving well in Mexico. I didn't go to a Sears, but I did go to a different store and I already forget the name of it. But it was it was neat because it was like it was like a Sears, but it had like a travel department in it and a flower store because flowers are huge in the culture in Mexico. Uh, the We actually went on a tour in Mazatlan and they were saying that the flower shop was open 24 hours because... 
for every occasion. There's and the flowers are beautiful too. Like it's it's not just you know any old flowers. They were a really very uh, beautiful arrangements. Liverpool says Mike Duff. Thank you. That's it. That's it. So anyway, quick aside from the cruise, but my point being. Funko Pops taking over the store, not a unique problem to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Very much the case in Mexico as well, from what I observed, and I'm sure Canada, probably over uh, overseas as well. I don't know if there's like, you know, big import fees overseas and stuff, but probably a very similar story as well. So, but I think the bubble is finally burst on these Funko Pops. And honestly, I hate to say it, maybe it's for the best. Maybe it does cause Funko to scale back a bit. And now we, it's not like I don't own any Funko Pop dolls. I do. I'm looking right at some Mass Effect Andromeda dolls that I have. Uh, and I have some for Drag Race, you know, and some other things as well that we enjoy. Um, I think maybe they'll have to scale back a little bit and maybe more intentionally pick some of the partnerships and some of the, like, you know, I, I didn't like how it's all exclusive at this store and that store and like all of this stuff. So. Anyway, well, that's that's the only way we can get them to carry those things. And also, I mean, I think a lot of it is people some some people buy these because we're it's just the world we live in nowadays, yeah. thinking that there's a speculative market for it as well and that they're going to be worth something. And I don't know that they are. I don't think most of them are worth anything. It's just do you want to keep it or do you want to like not keep? I don't know. They don't do anything either. So it's like, I don't know. The same thing could be said about collecting action figures or collecting, you know, statues, anime statues. It's all, you know, I I get sick of people who are like, oh, you do Funkos, meh. I'm like, I don't care. You don't live my life. Yeah, people can like what they like. Yeah, but, you know, it's like for all the people who are like going, nah, look at that, look at that. I mean, there's people who are going to be really disappointed. I wanted those, those, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Dead by Daylight ones, and now I don't get them. You know, I'm really disappointed over it, yeah. and I just, I'm just like, people need to let people like their stuff, but right, we also sure. need to make sure that we're holding, you know, companies accountable for their poor financial decisions. Right. You know, they tried to do everything. They tried to put out something for every fandom. Yeah. And do you know how many fandoms and just different shit people are into? It's a lot. You cannot. You no, cannot. You Absolutely. They not. way overstepped. Um, let's see. Yeah, Tiger College Hat says a couple of years from now, someone will do a documentary on digging those Funko Pops at the landfill. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then somebody else, just like the ET cartridges, they will sell them and you can buy them. This I was once in a landfill. You're you're literally gonna be able to put trash on your wall and people will do it. And it's just the interesting way our society works. SSJ one hundred Matt asking a, a, another question about my trip to Mexico, uh saying, Did you see the roaming random cars driving around like in Forza Horizon five? No, but I did notice the absolute lack of traffic laws, period. <laughs> I de or like very, very few traffic lights. I will say when we were in Mazatlan, our tour guide, she knew it. she would jump out into the street and hold her arms up to stop the traffic. So <laughs> all of us, you know, stupid Americans and Canadians could walk by and cross the street because you know, people don't stop unless you, you know, make it very clear to you know do those sorts of things. And this is this wasn't like some obscure part of town. This was like downtown Mazatlan, the old town district. So I was that I I definitely noticed that the uh, absolute lack of any traffic laws whatsoever. But you know what? <laughs> 
I got from point A to point B. We got from our boat down to Zona Romantica, which was like a three um, three mile journey. It was too long to walk, but uh, not a very long bus route. I actually took, thanks to JD, who is huge on public transit, our buddy JD, um, I t- I rode a Mexican bus. I paid 10 pesos to ride the Mexican bus. Actually, JD paid for me 10 pesos to ride the Mexican bus from the port down to Zona Romantica. And uh, it was great. But anyway, I'll talk more about that on Thursday. All right. Um, let's get into uh, this next story. Oh, you know, when you saw this in the news, you knew I was going to bring this up. You knew <laughs> I was going to bring up this story. Am I here to gloat tonight? A little. Maybe. Okay. I, yes, but. Yes, but. Um, I, I, I actually <laughs> don't think there's a lot here to gloat about. So what am I talking about? Anybody that listened to our predictions episode in early January probably heard. And I wish I had time to go find the clip and dig it up. But you know what? The podcast is out there. You can go listen to it for yourself. It's on the record. One of the predictions I made, I think it was my number three prediction. I said the current CEO of Square Enix, Yosuke Matsuda, Square Enix was going to get sacked. And I said he was going to do it because uh, the fact that he tied himself to NFTs the fact that he failed to um, redirect the PR conversation around the Final Fantasy 16 diversity issue and people raise it, you know, they're very, you know, what was a poor response to all of that and uh, not, you know, doing better on clarifying and showing how they're going to do better in that whole situation. And then, of course, you know, add into that things like the fact that Babylon's fall absolutely flopped. There is no nice way to put it. I don't think Forspoken is unfortunately selling to expectations, especially when this same guy has gone on the record saying things like Tomb Raider did not sell to expectations. Well, if Tomb Raider didn't sell to expectations, I'm positive Forspoken didn't sell to expectations either. So Mm -hmm. what happened? Where does this all end up? Yep. Yosuke Matsuda was officially uh, uh, sacked by Square Enix this week. The company has announced this shakeup on Friday, saying it is needed to chase more technological innovation. Now, here's where I'm willing to admit, this is not the part of the news I saw coming. Because unfortunately, although, yes, I (laughs) thank you, Jaskren, who says, um, I saw the news and I thought that Rob might be a prophet. Okay, so maybe I did call this, but the reasoning here not what I thought I would see. And that's not a good thing. So the replacement for Matsuda is a gentleman named Takashi Kiryu, who is a new CEO. He's only been a square for a few years, but prior to that, he worked for the Densu Innovation Initiative. This is a business group that explores opportunities in things like the metaverse. Here's the official on-the-record reason that Square Enix gave for why uh, this transition is happening. Keep in mind, Matsuda was there for 10 years. That is that is a long tenureship. Under the rapid change of business environment surrounding the entertainment industry, the proposed change is intended to reshape the management team with the goal of adopting ever-evolving technological innovations and maximizing on the creativity of the company's group in order to deliver even greater entertainment to customers around the world. Ever-evolving technological innovations. That worries me because they're not talking about PS6. They're not talking about VR. They're talking about NFTs and what I think the new buzzword in everybody's ear, this is where I really think it's going, 
AI. Mm. How that gets worked into video games, I'm not sure what that looks AI like yet. AI is already in video games, though. Oh, what? Very good point. Yes, AI. You're right. AI. The concept of AI has been in video games since video games I mean, existed. Really, machine machine learning in and of itself is common now. Yeah, especially in a lot of technology. So, I totally fair. I chose my words poorly because what I mean to say is AI in regards to some of this newer trend about automated art, automated writing, and could there be a game? that ends up being a forever game that is able to be forever because AI generates a chunk of it. I have a feeling this is what Square Enix wants to get on. They want to make an open world game that is in part generated by AI, for better or for worse. Sounds interesting. It could be interesting. I, I don't like, know. I, I, have to, I have to see it. I can see potential in that kind of idea. Like, imagine that you start off with, like, a base world, mm -hmm. and as the people, quote, exist in it, you know, mm -hmm. play through it like a, like an MMO, the landscape changes. Like, say that you buy a plot of land mm -hmm. and you do construction on it. That plot of land, you know, the the ground moves to other places. You know, it damages a river. So, you know, that having something like that would actually be really awesome. I I, I worry that's not where Square's going with it. We'll see. Time will tell. And I, I I'm willing to give this guy a chance. Me. And I'm 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 not going to judge this guy completely on his background because what he did in the past is not what he's going to do now. So I'm I'm willing to give this guy a fresh slate and see where where does he take this now. I'm not encouraged by what I'm hearing, but let's see. Because you're you're right, Dark Soccer. You don't run Square Enix, neither do I. Here's where I see the problem. Okay, the problem, and I think this is why Matsuda ultimately paid the price. The problem was these very high-profile, big-bunch-budget launches that are flopping. And there's no nice way to say it. That's, that's not a testament to the quality of the game. Well, I think it is in Babylon's Fall case. But I haven't played Forspoken. I'm not, I'm not able to speak to why that game flopped, but I have a hunch it's because the demo they put out wasn't great. And when you're asking people to invest $70 in a game, you need to have a rock-solid demo or no demo at all, quite frankly. Oh, that game looked awesome and everything that I had seen. Mm -hmm. I just didn't buy it because I, I have no way to play it right now. Right. And I want to I also show something else because I believe where Square Enix needs to be going is some of these more middle of the road. I do think Square Enix needs to do some investment in the middle of the road and some lower budget titles that can actually bring forth a little more than maybe a big budget AI or NFT project. Here's some of the proof I want to kind of to make my case, you know, and, and maybe you're going to read into this differently than I do, but here's me attempting to show some receipts. Okay. Now I'm not able to find the U S sales numbers yet for how some games are performing. However, Forspoken in Japan was last in the top 30 the week of, I believe this was February 6th through February 12th. And you can see when it was last in the top 30, uh, it moved 1,932 units for a total of 35,000 units. Now, granted, this is retail units. This doesn't count what's digital. So I'm not saying this game only moved 35,000 copies, but you know, just to kind of set the benchmark there, this high dollar big budget game looks like it's going to cap out maybe at 40,000 copies in Japan, unless maybe there's some bang up DLC that happens later or something like that, that, you know, causes this game to sell more in contrast. 
the Square Enix game that I am unable to shut up about, Theatrhythm, shows up. Now, we don't have complete sales data for Theatrhythm, but it shows up on the next week's sales list, right? And so we have two entries for Theatrhythm because it's on two platforms. The Switch copy has moved 11,000 units in, excuse me, 11.5 thousand units in its first week. And the PlayStation 4 versions down here at number 16, which moved 3.6 thousand units in its first week. You add that together, that's about 15,000 in the first week that this game has moved. Now, granted, that's not that's not even half of 40,000, but we're not quite sure yet what the subsequent weeks are going to look like. And even if this game only capped out at maybe 30,000 units, and I would also argue Theatrhythm is certainly going to sell even more digitally because of things like the Digital Deluxe Edition and some of those things that they've been offering digitally, I, I would bet dimes to dollars, even if I don't have the receipts to prove it, Theatrhythm is going to sell more digitally than it's going to uh, in a physical copy than a game like Forspoken. My point being, even if Theatrhythm and Forspoken sell the same amount, which my receipts only maybe show that that's the way things are going to go right now, one of those games took a hell of a lot more money to make than the other. Now, I I know some of you are going to poke holes holes in my theory left and right. Rob, you're only considering Japan. Rob, it's only physical. And, you know, there's these. I, I understand. I'm willing to accept that this is not a perfect science what I'm showing you. What I'm trying to point out is that a game like Theatrhythm that cost a fraction to make of something like Forspoken, this is where Square Enix needs to head a lot more of. They need to maybe play it safe for a little bit. And maybe give us that Chrono Trigger remaster that Jason was referencing in the intro tonight and some of these other things that can move a fair amount of units to then build up the coffers to try again on one of these AAA titles that maybe, you know, uh, a big name can get behind or something like that. You know, if Final Fantasy 16 does very well, it's too early to say, and I'm not, I'm not going to venture a guess on how well Final Fantasy 16 is going to sell. But if Final Fantasy 16 does well... Let's say it does better than 15 or 13, which it might. It might. Despite however you feel about the controversies on this whole thing, I think you could recognize there's a real possibility 16 could sell better than 15 or 13 did. Or 12, quite honestly. Hell, we'd have to go all the way back to 10. I, I think 16 is going to sell better than any game since 10. I do. If that, ha- well, uh, minus the MMOs. Don't don't include 14 because that's not fair. Because the monthly fee that that's that's filling Square's bank account right now is 14 and to some extent 11. So we're not going to count those. Um, but uh, as far as 16 goes, if 16 does well, I would bet Naoki Yoshida, Yoshi P gets licensed to make whatever game he wants. And honestly, he should. Hopefully he will listen to some of the feedback on the types of characters he should be putting in those games, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to, I'm not going to go too far down. I mean, 14 has done a pretty good job. So there's, you know, we, we, and I got into this when we talked about the controversy to begin with is that I think there's a lot more at play than just Yoshida. I think it's the voices that have educated Yoshida in the past need to be corrected. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna digress. I think Yoshida is gonna get creative license to do whatever he wants next, and that will be the new AAA offering that comes out of Square Enix. So we'll we'll see. Um, Jaskrin in chat says, 
This is a really good analysis. There is more money to be made with smaller budget games if those games are hits. It is very similar to the movie industry. The movie industry wants movies like The Blair Witch Project. There's something about Mary. Uh, Hell, everything everywhere all at once would fall into this category. What do all of these movies have in common? Small or paranormal activity, another great example. Small, very small in some case, budget movies that make a lot of money. They want those type of movies. Snakes on a plane. Yep. Snakes on a plane. Great example. Honestly, Megan and Cocaine Bear. You want to go, at least I'm assuming Cocaine Bear made money. Um, It sure sounded like it was going to. The studios want those movies as opposed to, oh God, what was that absolute Disney flop that came out like last year? I, it was a couple of years ago. Maybe it was before the pandemic even. And it just flopped so hard in theaters that like, yeah, it was, it was, it was really ugly. The movie industry wants those say John Carter was that maybe, no, I feel like it was a superhero movie of some sort, maybe based in mythology. I don't remember. I'm sorry, y'all. Oh, you're thinking of um, Percy Jackson? No, but that is a good example. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of, uh, oh, God. It cost him a lot of money. To... My kids have the books. Yes, it's, it, is, uh... it was books. Uh, Maybe it was John Carter. Its name. No, it's not John Carter. It's not John Carter. It's more recent than that. John Carter is like years ago. That was, like, that was back when I was... In the no. no, not Buzz Lightyear. I'll look it up. Hold on, I I don't remember what it's called now. It's um, John. Yeah, Car- they're they're all saying it was John Carter of Mars. So maybe maybe it was. And that was a flop too. It but there was another so one. So hard was, because like, within... I, I don't even know what it is. But I thought I thought it was like a mythological story or something. No, but... it's it's not John Carter. I know for a fact it's not. It's my kids have the the books. It's not. Um, it came out like during the pandemic. I just don't remember what it was called. It was um, Artemis Fowl. That's what it was. Oh, that Artemis Fowl Artemis. was awful. It was foul. Yeah. Anyway, I, I it, all these. Okay. I mean, yes, you were all we're all guessing. Get in Rob's brain. What's the movie he's thinking of? Everything you guys are shouting in chat is actually making my point. So thank you. <laughs> also, the New Mutants. I don't think that was that good either. And that was supposed to be like the X Men. Um. And I don't know how well Mulan did, the live action one, but I don't think as good as Lion King. But I think Square Enix would be very smart to stick to the Octopath Travelers, the Bravely Defaults, the hell, the Dungeon Explorer. Even if I think that game has some big flaws with it, that game doesn't doesn't get a CEO fired when it doesn't do well, as opposed to a Babylon's fall. I think Square Enix needs to take some safer risks so they can find out what their audience really wants so they can make the big one. I worry when they talk like this, tomorrow's technologies, whether it's NFT, whether it's AI or whatever, they're going to try to tell us the next big thing and not listen to what the audience is telling you with their wallets. And guess what? I would bet, I would bet money they did not expect Theatrhythm to even move what the, the number of units that I just talked about. Nostalgia is a wild thing. And I get, I, I'm not saying I want Square Enix to only do the nostalgia jerk for years and years. I do want Square Enix to be able to create things like Forspoken and create new types of things. They just need to be able to do it on a smaller budget for a little while. 
And honestly, offloading some of the companies that they did may actually help them to that. Prince Caspian, that was, no, that because that was a Narnia movie. No, no, no. Ah, anyway, forget it. That was like super old too. I'm I'm done trying to figure it out. Maybe I'll Google it while Loki does the next story. It anyway. was Artemis Fowl. I, I can tell you right now because it was awful. And I don't even remember if that came out on in theaters. But like, yeah, they've had a lot of flops with as far as big budget. Yeah, John Carpenter or Mars. They were expecting <laughs> that to be like a big new trilogy, like Star Wars size. And it, it probably just was John. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, but that I'm, was like years I'm, ago. I'm officially done thinking about it. All right. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Fifth Dream has a great comment here. And those games have engines to build, so they'll be cheaper to produce. Also, that one card game where they put out like for a year, just insert a new story and swap assets, new $40 game. Are you talking about like Kingdom Hearts, Chains of Memories and those types of card games? But when you talk about the engine, you're absolutely right. Look at Octopath, Octopath 2, um, Live Alive, you know, and, and where I honestly think the Chrono Trigger remake ought to go is in that engine. And if you want to talk about remakes... You know, Secret of Mana was in a similar engine, although that one didn't do as well. But, you know, Give me a Final Fantasy VI remake in that engine. <sighs> I, well, now we have the pixel remasters and so forth. So I, 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 want, I want it this way. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, my my point is Square Enix should really listen to what the fans want and need a CEO that comes in there to really listen to this and maybe lay off some of the experimentation for a little bit while they find their footing again to help them find their next game. That's what I would do if I was CEO, but I'm not, but also I called this. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My ego is swelling. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on on that note. Uh, dark soccer. Well, if you ruled the world, we'd be getting this a lot sooner, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. We, we would have already been done. Had it. So, um, there is a Dead by Daylight movie coming out. I'm I'm both afraid and excited. So um, it's coming out from Bloomhouse and Atomic uh, Monster and, of course, Behavior, because Behavior owns Dead by Daylight. Um, but they are um, doing a feature film adaptation of Dead by Daylight. Um, and uh, they're, they sound pretty excited about it. Um, there is uh the for uh the atomic monster uh founder and CDO James Wan said uh and I'm gonna just read the quote in Dead by Daylight the behavior team has created a love letter to the world of horror, building an incredible environment teeming with atmosphere and terrifying villains, perfect for a scary cinematic adaptation. We're big fans of the game at Atomic Monster and we're thrilled to be teaming up with Blumhouse to bring this frightening visceral world to the big screen. So um they're looking for a director and screenwriter. Um, they want to bring on somebody that appreciates and loves the game like the fans do. Um, you know, lots of, I guess, uh, watching of the lore. Um, and also just FYI, one directed, uh, The Conjuring and Insidious and, uh, Bloom produced Get Out and The Purge. So, I mean, there's some really good, like, credentials behind it. They did Megan, too. So, Bl Bloomhouse is a huge name in the horror world right now. So, this yeah. is this is a good place for this to be at the end of the day. I mean, and I, I have a feeling that they may not be able to get, like, the licensed killers, I, you know? Absolutely not. Not without lots of money. But 
I I have seen see it like with some of like the original four survivors have to be there. Yep. And I'm thinking that maybe like, you know, the original three and nurse and you know, like hag, you know, like the the in game ones. I mean, those would be a definite I mean, I would love the hag would be scary because she's a cannibal. Um, but you know they're but, gonna set up sequels in their minds, so they're they're gonna they're gonna with. I think you're right on that. It'll be the originals, maybe um, Fong Min and the Doctor, <clears throat> just because of the, her popularity oh, yeah. in particular. Uh, and I think you're right that maybe the nurse, but it would be those early DLC characters only, and like they're gonna yeah. save later releases for sequels. Absolutely, like you're not gonna see more popular yeah. later killers like Bleat or anything like that. They they won't be in the, the movie. Well, and by by then, though, I mean, it could very well be possible that they'd have, you know, enough interest and revenue from it to invest in the licensed characters. Um, There's a possibility. I'm just throwing it out there. Although, although, honestly, I would love to see the Dredge (laughs) and Hattie. I think I also don't know if we should write off the licensed killers completely. I think, you know, if they could get the rights, I think especially a cameo at the end imagine right before the credits or at the end of the movie. And I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like the most likely one to show up because what else is he doing these days besides getting his own video game, Bubba? I think if Leatherface showed up at the end of the movie, I, I, I only say this because I, I feel like he's got the best chance versus like a Freddy or you know some of the other I licenses. Think Freddy would have a, a better chance. You really do. Nothing is happening with the Nightmare on Elm Street license. You know the other nothing. reason? Well, here's the other reason why I say Bubba. Because they could put, and it's to be fair, Michael Myers, they could do this too. They could put anybody under the mask. With Freddie, all everybody's going to say is, "Why isn't it Robert England?" That's going to yeah. be the problem. Uh, a mask killer. See, they could I just put don't see them going the that way at all. I see. I see them keeping Hillbilly and not putting in Bubba. You know, I see. Fair. I mean, and and who knows? There might even just be an original killer that like you do something with your ticket and you get him in the game. I bet they're going to do DLC. Oh, it debuts in the movie and then is Mm -hmm, deal. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway. Um, um, yeah. Tiger class says, doesn't dead by daylight mostly have original characters. The license stuff can't be a part of the movie. Yes, but that's not, I mean, it's money and agreements. Never say never. Yeah. It's a good split. Um, but at any rate, um, you know, I mean, we're we're talking about you know not not just like you said, Megan. They did you know malignant paranormal activity, black phone. You know, there's a um, lot. There's a lot. It's it's really a lot. And also, Bloomhouse uh, announced the launch of Bloomhouse Games that will do indie budget video games. Um, they'll produce and publish for under ten mil. Um, so. I wonder if we might start seeing collaborations as well or like, you know, other DVD spinoffs like Hooked on You, but on like the indie field. Hmm. So, I mean, there's like lots of, lots of, you know, potential for this. I really think that they've got the right people on this. And I mean, it's still early days, you know, they don't have a director or a screenwriter. So, I mean, I would reckon we would see this maybe in two to three years. And who knows where DBD will be by then, although knowing behavior, it will still, you know, be a little bit broken, but very interesting. And people will still be complaining about MMR. 
That's a, also campers. a very good point. I mean, I, I don't want to speak this harshly, <laughs> but this is the only sentence that comes to mind is, will DBD still be as relevant in the gaming world by the time this movie hits? Or has the time to strike when the iron is hot, so to speak, already passed? Like they're gonna have People to get asked that question fast. three years ago when I started playing. <laughs> okay, f- f- fair answer. Yeah. Fair answer. Uh, but uh, actually, SSJ100 Matt brings up a good point. Michael Myers makes the most sense, really. Bloomhouse and Danny McBride have been doing those recent Halloween movies. Oh, I did. Oh, that's right. It is Bloomhouse that did the reboot trilogy. Okay. No, you're right. I changed my answer. Yeah, and they're doing. He also says they're doing a new Exorcist movie. I. I doubt very seriously that we'll have, you know, a pea soup vomiting. We already have. Oh, my God. It just occurred to me, Rob. Mm. If the plague might have been an attempt to license the exorcist. But, and it didn't work. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Although they're saying, though, that um, the, the new killer, the skull merchant, is... Uh, is a failed attempt to get Predator. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Yep. Yeah. Be interesting. But you know, you you know though the the fandom, the loyal fans stay loyal, right? Yep. And even people who walk away from the game, they a, a lot of people come back. I hope if they There'll do be the- something that comes out, that'll bring them back. It, it's interesting because with this movie, I hope that it's it's very similar advice to what I just said to Square Enix. I hope they don't spend too much money on it. I hope they get, you know, some good up and coming. But horror movies usually are not expensive. You know, they I want to know what Tiger Claw's talking about DVDs. Because we said DBD, Dead by Daylight. <laughs> All right. Anyway. I don't know if that's serious or a joke. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's get to our next story, which is not as funny, unfortunately. Uh, Loki. No, unfortunately not. Um, so EA has laid off 200 Apex Legends testers, and they did it over a remote meeting call. So an unscheduled mandatory Zoom meeting. Um, and so they had uh, actually with their contracting agency, Magnet Global, and basically that they were uh, let go as part of that. Uh, the testing... The, you know, basically, EA's come out and um, they haven't made a comment yet regarding the layoffs, but testing games is an integral part of delivering the best experiences to our players, he said in PR speak. Um, but yeah, it's basically that they're their t- testing team and ending testing um, execution that's been concentrated in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It says impacted services provided by our third party providers. Our global team, inclusive of remote playtesters across the United States, enable us to increase hours per week and blah, blah, blah. Um, so maybe they're just, uh, you know, reducing staff for different testing. I don't know, but I don't know. It's it's always bad news, especially when you do it, like, over, like, a remote meeting like that. I guess I understand if they're all remote. I mean, you can't have them in the office to do it in person, but something a little bit more personable, probably, instead of just, okay, you're all let go. Like, at least an email or something. A letter. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the one time I was laid off, they had everybody together and made the announcement, although I wasn't there for it because I was on medical leave. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that the, doing it by Zoom would be the equivalent of calling an in-house company meeting. Yeah, I don't I... see any problem with it. 
for for remote work. Yeah, it still sucks that it's two hundred uh, people being let go. Yeah. But now, I mean that method because quite like, and this is actually what happened with mine. Uh, is that when they when you know when they sold the company and we were all outsourced, they gathered everyone, said it in person, and letters came out like the following week. And maybe maybe that's where it feels a little oof is because it was Zoom calls with two hundred people, and even if it's two hundred people in person, maybe it, it doesn't feel as personable. Whereas maybe even if they'd done as something as simple as do it in a Zoom call with ten people at a time. Yes, it's a lot more work to do it that way, but it might feel a lot more personable and you're able to be, I mean, ideally you do it one, one at a time, but I, I, I understand there has to be a compromise here, you know, where, you know, maybe do it team by team or something where you can kind of answer some of the questions, concerns a little more directly and at least have that human side of it, which is impossible to get in a group of 200 where people aren't really going to be able to ask questions, but in chat. So mm-hmm. I, I, maybe that's where it feels a little bleh. Yeah. One actually good thing with with a chat format like that is that it also helps you field questions so that if you know because a bunch of people are going to be asking the same question, you know, so you can actually field questions and and lump in the similar questions together, mm-hmm. you okay. know, and you can also just it it helps with with efficiency and delivering the information because you can't really do that when you know you have a big meeting room because I mean, in my experience, like meetings like that, like big business meetings, they don't really open the floor to questions. They just say, get in touch with HR. Yeah. So I could see this as actually being a good opportunity to field questions about it as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, think it's as negative as people are making it out to be. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, other than losing a job. We have Activision, who has uh, is now coming under fire by the Communications Workers of America, who filed charges against uh, the publisher in regards to, uh, to firing two QA testers um, over apparently the use of strong language. So two QA testers have expressed their outrage using strong language in response uh, to management set up uh, disp- disciplinary meetings where both workers were fired. And apparently uh, the CWA is saying that the use of outbursts and strong language in the context of concerted activity by employees was protected by the National Labor Relations Board, um, even up until uh, 2020 where it was tested. Um, And then they said that um, Activision says we don't allow employees to use profane or abusive language against each other. Really? Really? You don't? Right. You should listen to my comments. We're disappointed that the CWA advocates this uh, type of behavior. It sounds like an excuse. Were they trying to unionize? I mean, I could see something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, more, more fire. Um, I mean, it, it's just it's more the same. It seems like you know more of Activision um, finding creative ways to, you know fire people especially those protesting their practices well now that's that's just shady but unfortunately completely unsurprising coming from activision to be quite honest so oh hopefully the acquisition of their company can't happen soon enough clean house you know yeah but at the top at the top is where the layoffs need to happen all right 
Uh, moving on, let's talk about Final Fantasy 16. I brought it up later in the show, but it was actually in the news, or excuse me, earlier in the show I brought it up, but it's been in the news quite a bit this week because some press previews happened this week where uh, I think folks got to play a, a several hour demo of it, probably mm-hmm. in a controlled environment, and uh, kind of got to experience a lot of the battle, kind of got to play with that. I, I, because I've been out, I have not caught up on the videos of it. I've just kind of watched a little bit. So like I used to watch uh, Skill Up, and so Maybe they I should look some up and get some live thoughts here. Let me. Let's see um, so they flew them out to Japan to play a few different sections of the game. So one of it was um, a bit early on in the game that kind of uh, focused on because I guess I guess it jumps between you as like a teenager and you as kind of like grown up as well. And so it started off like as a teenager where it's more of like a combat tutorial type thing, kind of getting used to that. And then they threw you into a, another section of the game where it was just basic combat. And then one of the, uh, I forget what they call it now, the, not idols, but it's basically where they're the giant like a uh, kaiju battle type thing where they're both the summons or whatever. And they were doing a battle like that. Uh, so they had those three sections of the game to play um, to kind of get a taste of it. Okay, so I actually, while you've been talking, I pulled up, because I, I actually have not watched any of this at all. So I actually just pulled up. I went to YouTube. Of course, some of the um, extended uh, gameplay stuff has, has hit YouTube. And um, interesting, because you know what it kind of evokes to me at first is that recent Strangers of Paradise spinoff a little bit. It's yeah, kind of what I'm feeling a little bit of. from this. But we'll see. I mean, here's the thing. Well, Final you know who... Mm-hmm. who's designing the who's the oh, game yeah, the designer. guy from devil may cry and all that yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. so it plays very similar to that yeah so um i i'm i'm curious about it and the reality is final fantasy has been a little rooted more in action between 15 and the 7 remake you know it's just kind of the direction it's been going but um i'm still you know there's there's certainly elements of the classic Final Fantasy, the games I see in here. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I'm really going to know until I get my hands on it for myself and make my own um, perceptions. But there's de- definitely, like, graphically, very yes. Like, very yes, graphically. Like, I get, like, kind of like an Elden Ring, you know, meets Final Fantasy type of vibe from it. And uh, I think I think it's going to look really good when it comes out. We'll see. But anyway, not only did the press preview happen, but there were some uh, talk about how long does the story take? How long of a game does this take to get through? And it's going to take about 35 hours to complete. Uh, apparently, this will actually double when you do side content. There will be 11 hours worth of cutscenes. Well, after all, it is a Final Fantasy game, so I can't say I'm that surprised. Um, the main story will take 35 hours to beat, but Yoshida added to that, if you do 100% completion, so you do all the cutscenes, you're looking at 70 to 80 hours. The main story was originally going to be 20 don't hours. Don't make any plans. Yeah, don't make plans. But this number increased during development, which isn't surprising uh, either. Um, so yeah, this number does not include cutscene and side quests and all of that, so there will be lots and lots. Um Yoshida did say, and this is not this is not a great um, quote here, but he has said that the team has been working to death in order to get the game finished by summer 2023. Um, I might have chose my words differently, but um, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, uh, it is set to launch in June, later in June. So um, I'm trying to look at this without the ad blocking things there, but that is. Oh, that's the whole, yeah, they have the summon versus summon fight. So it looks like in this particular fight, you're actually controlling either Garuda or maybe Ifrit. I can't tell in this fight, 
Um, but you're actually doing like a summon versus summon. It does look pretty cool. So it's got a lot of, a lot of flourish to it. I'm, I, I mean, there's no question. I was going to buy this game the minute they announced that the creative business unit three was working on it. So we'll see. And I know I'll be streaming a lot of it as well. Um, Let's see. Uh, this is some comments and chat about the length. DJ Rama S says 35 hours. That's kind of light. Mike Def says, I don't need 100 plus hour experiences. Please keep it short and sweet. Um, I actually think 35 hours is kind of on the longer end of where video games are at these days. Maybe not like something a little more retro inspired that has a lot of quests and stuff to, but keep in mind, they all are also saying if you do all the side quests, which many people I know that play Final Fantasy do, um, it's going to be a lot longer. And so I, I, I'm not concerned about the time as much. I mean, but I reserve to change my mind once I have actually played the games. Questbuster says, from the previews I've watched, my impressions is that it's Final Fantasy with a Devil May Cry feel to it. You can swap between icon powers during battle. Uh, Questbuster also says, I love me those side quests. I went overboard with as many of those in Final Fantasy 15 as possible and maxed Noctis's party out. Well, apparently, like side quests, DLC, and all that, that's really the way to get the full Final Fantasy 15 experience. I just hope this game, you know, especially with the comment about this basically openly admitting they're crunching. I hope with comments like that, this game is a fully finished, fully realized product. That's going to be the part that's disappointing to me. As long as it's 35 solid fucking hours, then great. But if it's 35 hours where it really feels like another 15 are missing, which is what Final Fantasy 15 felt like, I'm going to have some issues. And I, I am willing, I'm willing to hold this game, you know, accountable in the critical sense because ju just because I have a fondness of Creative Business Unit 3's previous game, I'm I'm probably going to be harsher than most people on this game when it comes out. But we'll see. I'll be playing it live for sure, absolutely, whenever it comes out. All right. In the meantime, let's go to Dark Sakura, and I am going to step away uh, from keyboard real quick. Sorry. See how it is. I talk and you leave. I anyway. just need hydration. Forgive me. It's okay. Um, anyway, though, for fans of games that make you hate life and question your choices, Elden Ring is having an expansion called Shadow of Erdtree. It is currently in development, according to Bandai Namco and From Software. Um, the, the teaser says thus, Rise, Tarnished, and let us walk a new path together. An upcoming expansion for Elden Ring, Shadow of the Earth Tree, is currently in development. We hope you look forward to new adventures in the lands between. So, yeah. There you go. Um, there's not really a whole lot of information out about it. I mean, I don't play Elden Ring, um, although I was tempted and then I realized I don't hate myself. So, but I mean, if if people are looking forward to it, then I'm happy for y'all. Yeah. But did you play Elden Ring? Nope. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to play Elden Ring. Yeah, I have friends that like are super into it and, you know, die and die and die and die. And me, I'd just be like, no and no and no and no. You know, not, not me, no. It's like, I don't, I mean, but people like those Souls games, you know. Um, oh, and Mike Duff says it's it's been considered one of the most accessible Souls games. 
And I mean, I would be that person that plays like some sort of magic user that stands on a cliff and shoots, you know, whatever happens to be in firing range. Which I believe is the easy way, quote unquote, using my coin fingers, easy way to play it. <laughs> and I like, I've gone in and like watched videos, you know, like I watched uh, the ending with whatever the moon lady is. Um, That was kind of cool, but. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy for Elden Ring fans getting more content. I will be content to watch you play it and not play it myself. Yeah, I, I thought you'd a lot of DBD streamers we know, especially the one you had lunch with today, uh, have started kind of playing this in some DBD downtime lately. So um, it's definitely a game that even a year after it's been released is, uh, you know, kind of getting new fans showing up. So, yep. Cool. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on. Loki. Yeah, so this kind of follow up to a story that we talked about a while ago. Um, Yuji Naka getting in trouble with some insider trading. Well, now apparently during the court case, um, it has been he has made the comment that there is no doubt I knew the facts about the game before it was made public and bought the stock. And that's not necessarily admission of like I did insider trading, but you got all the ingredients for insider trading. It almost sounds like he's pleading guilty, but he hasn't pled guilty yet. Well, at least he's owning up to it. That's more than most people do. I'll give him credit for that. Yep. So, um, I, 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 is it, I guess, I mean, this is a silly question to ask, but what I, cause I was going to ask, is this the end of his gaming career? And abs- obviously the answer no. is yes. Oh, you think? No. Oh, I don't I don't think it's the end He's of his game. He's gonna go to jail. Well, you know what? Or, is ja- he going to jail or is he getting a fine? Like, cause uh, I don't that's really... you know what? Jail didn't end Martha Stewart's career, so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe this isn't gonna be the end. And we don't know. You're right. He might not get jail. He might just get a fine, especially if he's admitting to guilt. I don't know because I don't know the legal system. I barely understand the legal system here. I'm not going to try to understand the legal system in Japan. I just know certain things are viewed uh, differently in the culture than others. And that can go either way. Um, so we'll see. Um, quest buster in chat says after Ballad wonderland and now jail. Well, uh, and tiger Claw says insider trading isn't a fel- felony, right? Well, Martha Stewart went to jail. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, you know, granted many people feel they were just trying to make an example of her, but she does. I mean, can name a better duo than her and Snoop Dogg. I'll wait. Like there, there really isn't one. So no, perfect. <laughs> I mean, her career's in a great place, all things considered. So I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting um, to see what happens with Yuji Naka artistically. Um, wow, Dijram S says if the creator of Ruroni Kenshin, who is caught with child pornography, can get away with no jail time and pay a fine, uh, wow, Yuji Naka is just going to get a slap on the wrist. Whew. Wow. Um, Phil of Nine says Martha Stewart, the original stunt queen, uh, and the the only host of The Apprentice that has gone to jail so far. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, and Tiger Claw, uh, oh yeah, says so she went to jail and paid her dues. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough facts about that case. I don't want to sit here and go Martha Stewart should or shouldn't have gone to jail because I don't really know. But it does seem like they made an example of her. I do get the impression that. She has done things that maybe some other people should do, such as other people that have hosted the Apprentice television show who have done other things 
um, that are worse than what Martha Stewart did. But what do I know? I'm just some guy on the internet with a podcast. <sighs> All right. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, and uh, for those watching live on Twitch, I see we have a special guest star tonight. We have Her Highness. Yes. Miss Middles Patittles. Mm-hmm. My Midna. For those listening on the podcast, Dark Sakura has a cat not on her lap, like literally in her arms next to the microphone right now. And, and unlike my cats, Middles is loving this attention. No, she's tolerating it. She's tolerating. She's tolerating this attention. Well, I that's took her out of her warm cat. spot because I wanted her to be a celebrity. Yeah. You want down? You want down? Okay. All right. Um, she's let- like, put me down, human. And time was she's up. Fun. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of pets, let's talk about Pokemon uh, because Pokemon Day happened this week. And uh, with that came a Pokemon Presents stream. Uh, and so they talked about what is happening in Pokemon. And one of the biggest pieces of news that came out is that, yes, there is DLC coming for Scarlet and Violet. Of course, there's DLC coming from Scarlet and Violet. Uh, that will be coming out um, soon. I'm trying to see where the dates are for that. Um Fall and winter. Thank you. Fall and winter for the two pieces of DLC that are coming to Scarlet and Violet. Uh, Pokemon Go is also going to connect to Scarlet and Violet, and I believe that started this week. I haven't checked out that functionality yet, but I know it has to do with Gimme Ghoul uh, and and his release in Pokemon Go. So uh, I'll have to check out that at some point. There's also more terror raids coming as well. Um, uh, the Hidden Treasure of Area, Area Zero. That's the name of the DLC for that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's not two different pieces. It's just part one and two. Also big news from the Pokemon uh, Presents. Pokemon Sleep. It's back. It's real. It's coming. Pokemon Sleep is happening. And there's going to be a new device for it even called the Pokemon Go Plus. As It's the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. It's an ATM machine machine. Literally. <laughs> The Trace Buster Buster. But anyway, it's coming. And uh, if you wanted to get one too late, they're already sold out everywhere because this is the way Nintendo products and Nintendo affiliated, in this case, products tend to go. Uh, But it will actually measure your sleep and all that. And I think you get a Snorlax in Pokemon Go with like a a sleepy time hat or something if you get one of these. I I don't know. It, It sounded like a lot of extra crap to me. I'm also, I I still don't, I'm not sure I understand the point of Pokemon Sleep other than Nintendo wants sleep data of children and adults who like Pokemon across the U.S. and Canada and other places for some reason. I don't know why they want to harvest that sleep data, but they're going to get it. Um, And that's going to be interesting for whatever they might be cooking up in the future. So, hmm. Also, some other things, if you're big fans of the Pokemon series, such as Zacian is coming to Pokemon Unite. Uh, There is a new Netflix and Pokemon venture called Pokemon Concierge that's coming. There's a new set of Pokemon cards coming, but they'll be announced more at the Pokemon World Championship. And the Pokemon Master Sex, or the Master Masters EX, but everyone calls it Pokemon Master Sex. Uh, For Pokemon Master Sex, Leon and Charizard will be back uh in that so there's that and uh a cafe right, I'm done. what's that <laughs> nothing you say the all right i'm done bye <laughs> the people yeah yeah i know all right uh sjo 100 matt says it's gamifying health and wellness and there's a market for that sure and i eat that stuff up but this and will i play pokemon sleep Probably. Will I recognize that there is something potentially problematic with me being so uh, open with me sharing my sleep data? Probably. 
but there, you know what? I've been I've been given way worse to Niantic for years. So <laughs> whatever. Keep making the Pokemon cute and who cares? All right. Moving on. Let's 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 go back to a simpler time when games weren't harvesting all of our data. <laughs> In a favorite segment we like to do here on Orange Lounge Radio. Now it's time to travel back to a simpler time, where I'll dive into the vault and pull out a classic and tell you about it. It's time for the classic game of the week. Okay, let me see. I think I have an audio cue for tonight's game. Let's see if I get this timed right with the title screen coming up. (laughs) Oh, no. There we go. Oh, I thought I thought it had the song that would play in the play background. Fighter. Play fighter. Oh, sorry. Oh, here we go. From the top. From the top. There we go. Clay fighter. Clay fighter. All right. Obviously, you all know the game at this point. <laughs> all right. So the game is Clay Fighter, which came out for the Super Nintendo on November fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, for PAL, it was released uh, as Tournament Edition. Actually, I take that back. For PAL, it was released on May 26, 1994. Then there were other ones like tur- Tournament Edition on uh, May 15, 1994 in, the, in uh, North America. Genesis got theirs June 23, 94. The PAL region, January 1st, 95. And Virtual Console in Europe, February 6, 2009. In North America, May 25, 2009. So every version of it is over 10 years old. So it qualifies a bunch. Mm-hmm. At any rate, Clay Fighter is a fighting game. Um, that is a parody of Street Fighter and other fighting games. Um, and it features like this circus theme and, clay- and has like claymation type graphics um, that were actually created with you know, photography and digitalizing the clay models, like something more Mortal Kombat-ish, but with clay models. Um, the company, um, Visual Concepts, uh, actually had uh, another in their sort of clay-themed franchises that were done, actually uh, made by Interplay Productions, and one was called uh, Claymates, which was a platformer. Um, there were even... Um, Toys. I don't know if they ever came out, but in July 2020, Megalopolis Toys were partnered with Interplay to release a line of six-inch action figures based on the game, which is very interesting. Um, anyway, the plot is stupid. A meteor? <laughs> what? Not just the, the plot is stupid. That's <laughs> great. It's great. Well, <laughs> no, it is. Um, it is. It's like a meteor made out of clay lands on like a a little circus and then all the goo from all of this contaminates all the circus's attractions and makes them bizarre caricatures of what they were before but with superpowers so i love like the characters in this are amazing their names are fun my favorite being bad mr frosty who's a snowman and he has a very 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 bad attitude 
Um, his attacks like are throwing snowballs and spitting sharp ice balls and sliding around and but I like his taunt because he says I'm bad I'm cool I'm no one's fool <laughs> I always remembered that like bad Mr. Frosty is like like my my guy um <clears throat> but there's also Blob that's that just my like guy. that was your guy yeah. he was the master of Gujitsu and he can morph into different objects um there was another one that I liked, which was Blue Suede Goo, which is an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> and uh, he has he he fights on the keys of a piano that says "Big Hunk of Burning Clay," as in "Hunk Hunk of Burning Love." And um, of course, his name's a parody of Blue Suede Shoes from uh, the 1950s. Um, Bonker is a clown, so I never played him. <laughs> um, he has like pies and cartwheels and a spraying flower and a huge hammer and uh he's got like two fun houses one's a clown head and the other's like a giant rubber ducky um and then there's helga who is my other one who is basically the proverbial fat lady that sings at the end of the opera um you know totally wearing like the viking attire um and she's actually the rival of of blue suede goo um, and, and my main she for the record, huh? My main for the record, because uh, I always well, played she... women in fighting games. Always. Well, she would like launch herself like with her full head, and like because she had the horns on her head, and then she would also do like the sonic scream, you know, the <laughs> operatic thing. And um, she's actually the the first opponent in single player mode, and she has like an opera theater. Um, then there's Ichibod Clay, who we're actually seeing on the video fighting against the next one, Taffy. But Ichibod Clay is a scarecrow um, with a pumpkin head who can teleport and throw ectoplasm. Um, the next one is Taffy, who is a gooey... He's basically Gumby. Taffy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's like... He looks more like a tapeworm to me. But anyway... Um, he can twist himself up and spin and flail his arms. And in one-player mode, he actually uh, his his levels are like two different flat, uh, taffy factories. And then there's Tiny, which is a buff, very toothy wrestler character who poses, but he doesn't actually use wrestling moves. He just punches. He charges and punches and rolls into a ball and throws himself at people. Um, <clears throat> And then the final boss is called End Boss, End Period Boss, that looks like a ring of of balls, or maybe like like a weird necklace. And it has round eyes, uh, one open, one half closed, and it attacks with projectiles that are copied from other characters in a grab attack. Um, he does not appear to be made of clay, and the announcer does not enter uh, announce his name. Uh, at the start or when he wins, which is like he's just put in there so that someone ha they have a boss, I guess. Um, and he uses the purple meteor as his arena, um, which is actually a palette swap of a blob stage. Um, although in Clay Fighter Tournament Edition, he has his own arena. His name is actually based on M Bison and End Boss. So, End Boss, yay. 
Um, anyway, the development, there's actually a really good, I think, I think it's on Gaming Historian or one of those ones. Oh yeah, that's Endboss. Um, but, uh, I fast forward to the clip since you were talking about it. Okay. <laughs> but just, um, talking about like the game's development. So basically, um, it was developed by, by visual concepts and published by Interplay. Um, the president, uh, Greg, Th uh, Thomas said that they really just wanted something new and Fun funny, you know, an alternative to all the, the violent fighting stuff. And so they looked to different animation experts, uh, Ken Pontac, uh, David Blyman of Danger Productions in Brisbane, California. And then they spent a year developing Clay Fighter. Uh, once they had it, had the characters designed, they molded the characters using different types of clay. Um, like Taffy was created with a stronger type than, you know, Blob and they had all kinds of different models and everything and then they animated them using stop motion animation. Um so basically it was a video camera linked to an Amiga computer that had uh that had a graphics editor that digitized the figures. And then um they were they were saying that, you know, this part was um was like a big portion of the development to make to make it scriptable, you know, to to use the scripting language for the animation and to digitize everything. It was very long and tedious. Um, and Interplay added in a lot with the project by creating new character moves with uh, different spliced animation sequences. Um, they also recorded the musical score, the voices, the sound effects. And um, they said the design was originally supposed to compete with Mortal Kombat without the heavy violence. Um, but Interplay pushed the game uh, saying that parents... Um, this is a quote here. Parents who object to blood and guts games now have an alternative title that gives kids this, the kind of intense action they want to see in fighting games to, to make more sales. So um, in 94, we got Clay Fighter Tournament Edition. That was exclusive. It was originally um, a rental. <coughs> Excuse me, through Blockbuster Video, and it improved on Clay Fighter. It fixed glitches, added different backgrounds, offered difficulty settings, speeds versus mode. Um, and then, of course, when the Genesis version came out, which did not look nearly as good as the SNES ones, um, that's the version that actually made it onto the Wii Virtual Console. Mm. Um, there is a port of Clay Fighter for the Atari Jaguar that was in the works but never released. So there were sequels, and I might even jump in and do one of these sequels later, but I'll give a brief rundown. Um, the sequels were Clay Fighter 2 Judgment Clay, as in, like, Terminator 2. Um, that was on uh, SNES in 1995, and then Clay Fighter 63 and a third for the Nintendo 64. And then it had a special edition called Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut in 98, which was also only available as a rental at Blockbuster Video in North America. It had, um, it included four additional characters, High Five, Lady Liberty, Lockjaw Pooch, and Zappa Yow Yow Boys. Um, they were actually cut out of the original release for 63 and a third. Um, and, you know, they changed some stuff up to it, but... Sculptor's Cut is actually considered to be one of the rarest games released for the Nintendo 60, 64. There were only uh, 20,000 copies ever produced. 
In September 2009, Interplay announced a return of Clay Fighter for WiiWare and DSi, but then they were canceled. Uh, sorry, DSiWare. Um, March 2015, Interplay revealed a remastered Clay Fighter was to be released in 2016 and had a partnership with Drip Drop Games. It was going to have more than 20 characters and 20 familiar envi- environments, Clayalities, um, new mechanics like double jumping, air dashing, counters, and reversals. The game has been canceled, and Interplay sold the intellectual rights of Clay Fighter and many of their titles. I don't, I don't think it says to whom. Anyway, Clay Fighter was awarded the Best Street Fighter Wannabe of 1993 by EGM, Electronic Games Monthly, and was awarded the Best Sound Effects, and also for having the Best Ad. Um, it sold 200,000 copies by the end of 94. GamePro said that the Genesis port was pretty positive, um, but um, I think they were also saying that it just wasn't, it looked as good, although they thought that the six-button Genesis controller made it the ideal version to play it on, you know? Um, but at any rate, like, if we're going to go into, like, the the rankings on things, I mean, it got kind of middle of... middle to positive reviews. Like, Nintendo Power gave it a 15 out of 20. Um, video Games and Computer Entertainment gave it 8 out of 10. Eurogamer gave it a 5 out of 10. EGM... First, NES gave it a 30 of 40, and then Mega Drive a 6.6 out of 10. So, yeah, it was... I mean, I'm gonna go on... I'm on record saying, this is not the best fighting game. It really isn't. But it's fun. Yeah. And it's... It's a lot of fun. The technology was really clever for its time, too. You know, the whole concept of, you know, instead of capturing live actors like a Mortal Kombat, capturing claymation, I think was just a really, you know, fun idea. This game, you know, the, the fun that they were trying to do with this game really comes through, even if mechanically it's less fun. Yeah, and honestly, like, I totally wish that we would have another Clay Fighter game come out. Like, I would be so down for that, especially with our technology now. I don't disagree. Like, I mean, they could they could do the whole thing CG, you know, um, but you know have like really good clay uh, uh, textures applied to it. Yeah, I mean, it would if you were gonna do like a stop motion animation character game right now, to have it work for our modern sets, you would have to do so many in betweens, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, sure. To have it fit like a 60 FPS frame rate, for example. Um, so that would mean like for every second of motion, you would have 60 different animated frames. And now do that by however much. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and it, I I think it's time to bring back these characters and and give them love. Um, I, I want to know who who has the license now though. I'd have to look it up, and I'm too lazy. So yeah, Clay Fighter. All right, Ooh. <laughs> Clay Fighter, <laughs> Clay Clay Fighter. Good, good. I just always like that. Like it felt like the music would stop, and then the singer would go, and then they keep going. If nothing else, we just need a bitch a new uh, theme song from the team. That's what we need. Yeah, but it's still all about bad Mr. Frosty. All right, 
classic game of the week, Clay Fighter. Good pick. All right. Uh, we're about two hours in, and we, I know we have some long emails tonight, so I want to make sure we get to those. Uh, we do? Yeah, we have two that I saw. So uh, and before we get there, we will get through the rest of the news. So let's let's just keep it moving. We're going to go to Rapid Fire News and rapidly talk about some news. Loki. Yes, so this is cool if you're looking to get into some VR but don't want to spend as much money. Uh, the MetaQuest is dropping in price, or at least the MetaQuest 2. So uh, they've confirmed that they're dropping the 256-gigabyte model down from $499 US to $429. And I think that's supposed to be a permanent price drop. Also, the Quest Pro, which was super expensive for what you got, uh, $1,500, is now dropping down to only $1,000. So something. And that took effect today. So if you're in the United States or Canada, you can enjoy those lower prices or just wait for them to announce the Quest 3 because that's probably why they're dropping the price in the first place. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of lower prices for consoles, if you are a Verizon customer, you have until April 30th to pick up an Xbox Series S for only $150. That's half off its retail price if you're a uh, Verizon customer. I am, but I already have a Series X, so that's no good for me. Still, a Series but. S together with Game Pass, pretty pretty good way to get your foot in the door with uh, current gaming. For sure. Uh, Dark Sagra, you have a quick story for us? I do. Um, and actually, I've been pretty... I- I've watched a lot of gameplay because Jack Danger has one of these, or had one of these on his uh, Twitch channel, because of course he does. Um Foo Fighters Pinball. Uh, and, you know, Dan, Dan and I were talking about this while we were watching watching him play it. That, oh, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of niche. But then we saw it in play, and it looks really freaking fun. Um, they uh, Stern did release a trailer about it. They didn't actually show anything of the actual uh, game. But it has, uh, you know, different, you know, custom-drawn animation, including, like, this... See, they, the article describes it as a Ghostbusters cartoon vibe. I think of it almost more a little bit like a combination of Scooby-Doo and Ghostbusters. Um, yep, exactly. As Bobby said, it uh, he was the designer of the game. Um, but, I mean, it's it, it's really fun. And, of course, it, uh, it's got, you know, their music in, in the game um, and every everybody so right now um it has of course dave Grohl, chris shiflett and pat smear nate mendel uh rami jaffe and their late drummer taylor hawkins are all uh in the in the uh movies in the in the game i'm glad they were Um, able to get taylor in the game after all yeah yeah um but it's just a trip. I mean, it really is like just it looks like super super fun. SSJ one hundred Matt says all the Gen X bands are becoming tables, and I don't hate it. Right? Where's my nine inch nails pinball table? <laughs> I I love that. I mean, I'll be honest. I I would want this over some of the ones that we have. I'm pretty sure we will never have a Depeche Mode pinball. I'm just going to say that right now. We, we would have Nine Inch Nails before we had Cure in Depeche Mode. I'm just going to say this. Um, well, I don't know. A, a, a Cure pinball table would be kind of... I don't I don't think Robert Smith would go for that. You never know. Mm. But I'm very sure Depeche Mode pro- would not. Probably not. 
yeah but at any at any rate at any rate though uh, it just looks like so much fun i love the art style so yeah yeah go um what what's jack danger's pinball channel again i just know it's him um but if you if you dead flip that's it dead flip um if you go back like uh i think it was either yesterday or the day before but go back on uh dead flips uh twitch and you can see some uh, footage of the game. All right. Well, real quick, I'm just going to mention that Splatoon 3 got a 3.0 update. Uh, it just launched this past week. And most of it is to support the additional uh, DLC that's incoming, uh, the Inkopolis DLC, which, again, I still makes no sense to me uh, why this is an interesting thing at all, but it's there and allows you to travel between the old town and the new town. Cool. I guess uh, we're all, it's all the same shit. It's uh, it's weird, but okay. But there were other things that they're being added uh, things about fresh season 2023 with a new catalog, new gear, a new gear brand, 126 new items, two new battle stages, two new special weapons. You get where I'm going with this. There is a lot of other new stuff that's uh, being launched with the fresh season 2023 that's coming as well it gets really into the weeds i don't have time during rapid fire to talk about you know some of these uh intricate changes to multiplayers like uh what are some of the special weapons they have and you know some of the new uh weapons coming into shops but for folks that are playing the game um I'm sure there's a lot of cool stuff here. I noticed this interesting note. Uh, changes to connectivity. Made it so that players will be notified when their connection is unstable. If the connection continues to be unstable, player controls will temporarily be disabled. That's very interesting. So, yeah. Uh, also, some Splatfest changes. Uh, basically, uh, uh, looks like they're kind of make, uh, changing Splatfest TXP across the board. Uh, to 7,500 each stage as opposed to this incrementing uh, thing. So it's kind of interesting. So check it out if you're a Splatoon fan and I'm um, still with that. That all being said, let's travel around the world and check out some games you can uh, check out this week as they release, starting with the U.S., Loki. Yes, uh, so <laughs> what a great one to start with. We have Romancelvania on PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series. Uh, Caverns of Mars Recharged on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Clash Artifacts of Chaos on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Fatal Frame Mask of the Lunar Eclipse. That's on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Uh, looks like Ib. On Nintendo Switch, Oni Road to Be the Mightiest Oni on Nintendo Switch, uh, Paranorma Sight, the seven, mis uh, the seven Mysteries of Hanjo on Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android. Uh, we have Ray's Arcade Chronology on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4. Oh, so that's, uh, I guess, uh, based off the Ray 4 series. And then, um, looks like, um, Mado Anomalies on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. And that is it. All right, traveling to Japan, it's actually a lot of the same stuff, so I'll try to move through this quickly. On the Nintendo Switch, we have Ray's Arcade Chronology uh, in a regular and limited edition. Um, and I'm trying to see what games are in that. Oh, it's Ray Force, Ray Storm, Ray Crisis. That's why they call it Ray's. Uh -huh. 
This yeah. such a good series. Yeah, so that's uh, coming out on the Switch this week. Uh, and then we also have Melon Journey, Bittersweet Memories, Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse, uh, Record of... Oh, excuse me, that's only a US. Uh, Ib is also out in Japan this week, um, as well as that Oni Road to be the Mightiest Oni. That's out in Japan as well. Uh, and Chef Life, a restaurant simulator. Yes, that is out as well in Japan this week. Checking out the PlayStation 5, uh, some crossovers as well. You still have that Oni Road to Be, the Mightiest Oni is out there as well. And the Melon Journey, Bittersweet Memories, those are crossing over to the PlayStation 5 this week. But otherwise, that is it. How about the UK, Dark Sakura? Just a handful of things. Um, It looks like we get Train Life, a railway simulator for Switch. Um. Also on the 9th, we get, for PlayStation and Xbox, Monster Energy Supercross 6. For Switch, we get Session Skate Sim. On the 10th, we get, uh, for the big three, we get DC Justice League uh, Cosmic Chaos. PlayStation and Switch, we get My Life Pet Vet. Um, Also on the 2, we get Crazy Chicken Traps and Treasures. Um, On PlayStation, we get Game Deck. And then on the big three, we get Mato Anomalies. All right. Let's do some more stories here. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm starting to get a little tired as we're moving on. I think that's just me being exhausted from everything last week. So I'm maybe Mm -hmm. fighting off whatever Alan is probably passing to me. So uh, let's move through these stories and wrap up the show. So let's get to this from Loki. Yes, so we have a new number one subscribed um, Twitch star, I guess, if you will, uh, Kai Sennett. He is a 21-year-old African-American Twitch streamer who has now beat uh, Ludwig as the most uh, subscribed Twitch, um, I guess, uh, streamer. And um, he... I guess what's notable, I guess they said because he did that the last week of February, so Black History Month, that type of thing. I guess it's a nice coincidence. But it's cool to see, though, more uh, rising stars kind of coming through the whole Twitch scene. He he streams a lot of, like, I guess, Fortnite, Grand Theft Auto Five, NBA 2K23, and that type of stuff. Plus, that uh, collabs with a lot of different um, hip-hop artists as well. Oh. Well, congratulations. Cool. Good. All right, uh, Dark Soccer. So, um, Sega has put out a, um, a survey asking for opinions on a certain number of games. So the ones that have been on the list, there's actually a few. We have, um, Judgment, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio, um, Altered Beast, House of the Dead, and Virtua Fighter. And basically, it's like, you know, you get three options. Never heard of it, heard of it, but never played it, or played a game from it. So I think that they're trying to garner who knows these IPs and who would be likely to play it. So, I mean, the Bloomberg did report that um, Sega... This is actually last April that Sega was investing in their back catalog, um, working on reboots for Crazy Taxi and, and Jet Set Radio. So, who knows? 
And of course, we have the Samba game got recently announced, so this isn't completely, completely, completely a surprise that Sega's dipping back in this, you know, Dreamcast Classics catalog, but good. I want them to bring knights. Hmm. Why do we not have any more knights? We need more knights. We need to go get on that survey. Right. We got Ballad Wonderworld. I mean, that's basically <laughs> the same thing, right? Stop. Mm. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Loki. Uh, okay. Uh, well, this is a pretty cool deal as well. Um, so there's a brand new Humble Bundle. Oh, my God. We ever talked about Humble Bundle. That hasn't happened in years. Um, they have 72 games for 30 to, or at least as little as $30 as part of a Syria Turkey Relief Bundle. And there's lots of uh, big games in there as well. So we've got you know, such things as like Gotham Knights. Uh, Ghost Runner, System Shock 2, XCOM 2, Payday 2, Mountain Blade, uh, Warband. Uh, lots of different games in there. I definitely uh, picked it up because, you know, got to add to my number of games I don't play. <laughs> Too true. But, but Gotham Knights being in this bundle, I mean, that game yeah. is like not even six months old. My goodness. No, it's it's very recent. Um, yeah, lot, lots and lots of things to check out in there. Yeah, there's a lot in this. But it looks like they've raised, uh, as of right now, two two and a half million and counting. So nice. good for them. Yeah. All right, and one more story for you. Uh, who who doesn't love the classic game Zero Wing and the earliest earliest of internet memes, uh, including "Move every zig and all your base are belong to us." Of course, uh, this is interesting though. So, Topland has, uh, you know. Topland publisher Bitwave. Toa Plan. Toa Plan. Excuse me. I always say Topland. Toa Plan is um, uh, the, the publisher Bitwave is going to be doing an update for this collection. It has changes and fixes, and they're adding the introduction sequence for the arcade version of Zero Wing because it didn't exist in the original version. It was in the Mega Drive port. There was no introduction in the original coin-op edition. So now there is a brand new introduction with new hand-drawn artwork that is available. Uh, They're also trying to target some of the other things that have been noticed by hardcore fans. You know, basically, um, you know, uh, some of the the little control issues and things of that sort. I just want to see really quickly if I can bring it up here, um, what this might look like. Oh my gosh, this is, it really is um, pretty similar to uh, what, what you had before. And um, it's even got, I'm turning on the music a little bit. We are getting a signal on screen. Main screen turned on. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much what you remember, but just with that, that that right. How are you gentlemen? Um, Is that art style that you would, (laughs) your base are belong to us. Perfect. We'll end on that note. Um, It is, uh, what an arcade machine of that era might look like, to be honest. It's great. I'm glad that they went back and added that just for that effect. It's amazing. And of course, of course they kept the line as is. Of course they did. That would be like, okay, can you imagine they've retranslated Final Fantasy four? I don't know how many times they are not allowed to get rid of the line. You spoonie bard. Guess what? In Japanese, he did not say you spoonie bard. That was a silly translation of that era. 
They did like the equivalent of you son of a bitch. Yeah, basically, it's you right. asshole. Yeah, you jerk. But obviously to make it family friendly, some liberties were taken by the translator and it became you spoony bard. And now all your spoony are belong to bard. <laughs> all your spoons are belong to us. I can't. <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm officially done. Let's go to the mailbag. Every week we invite your emails. <laughs> Participate at orangeloungeradio.com. Who said that? I wasn't even looking at chat. Fifth Who said dream that? Did. Fifth dream. Fifth dream. Gold star, okay. gold star chat. All right, wait a second. Right. I have to explain something to SSJ 100, Matt, about mm. I am error. Mm. You, there was a, another character who was named Bagu. Bug. Error and bug. Cute. The name was not a mistranslation. Bagu, Bagu was more like a direct like romanization of how a bug would be uh, pronounced, you know, in Japanese, I guess. So, no. They were error and bug. Well, how about, you know what? Why don't we get Bagu and error in a future Zelda game? Whatever happened to those two? That's what I want to know. Maybe maybe we'll Rob, find out in Tears of the Kingdom. Do you know Bagu? I, I do. I do know the Bagu. No, he was the bridge guy, wasn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> I know my, I know my classics once in a while. Anywho, especially that one, because I I actually beat that one as a kid and beating Zelda two is one of those like gold star gamer achievement. I actually beat that one. It wasn't easy, but I did it. Okay, beat the Guardian legend. I'll try. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. No, Gwen brought up like my favorite line. Sit your ass down in your chair and drink your goddamn tea. From Sid. This tea's delicious. <laughs> that I have that line perfectly memorized. I love it. Emails. Okay, so email. Participate at orangeandre.com. <laughs> All right. First one comes from Ranchan. There were some very interesting things that were discussed, and I'd like to take a few minutes to discuss if you don't mind. Number one, working from home. I know this is a hotly discussed topic outside of gaming. I do remember reading that the team behind Tiny Tina's Wonderlands would have been longer if the team wasn't remote which to me does make sense. I do understand that not every job can be remote. Mine can be hybrid, but it's on site. I like going to work in my office. You're required to be on site unless the role you have is coded for remote. And if you're on site, you must be fully vaccinated and boosted. I will say this though, during the beginning of the pandemic, a famous talent agency required everyone to come into the office and they lost a lot of good people. Now the talent agency I work for, uh, moved and everyone uh, moved everyone to laptops and sent people home uh, for the majority of the period. And now we just expanded one of our floors because oddly enough, more people want to come into the office. Right now, we're not at full capacity, but you can see the camaraderie among the associates on the floor. Something you don't, uh, you can't really get when working from home. <clears throat> okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, some people prefer it me my my job can can be done just as efficiently at the office or at home because of what i do but it does make it hard for something that should be a collaborative effort so yeah i mean i get it well said it's just the opposite for me (laughs) because if i go into the office and they'll see how annoyed at the other people i am it's best that they don't see me in the office i'm just glad that 
I face inward toward my computer. When you face your computer, no one can see you eye roll, although they can hear it. My job, I work with offices <laughs> up and down the state, so I would be kind of like remote. My team is up and down the state too, so I would be kind of remote working anyway. So it's it's an interesting kind of predicament I'm in. The The interesting change is that I don't, and all of us don't travel. Like back in the day, I probably would have flown down to Southern California once every few months to see the team there and do, and that that's off the table. So we have to connect on zoom and do other things. But, you know, I think a lot of companies are still kind of find their trying to find their rhythm with all of that. And, you know, what is this using my quotey fingers new normal look like? Because, you know, number one, obviously, you know, COVID and the pandemic, it's, it's still a thing, whether society's over it or not, whether they declare it endemic status or whatever, the real, the reality is, people's perception of what work can be and the fact that people know full damn well they can do their jobs at home have really changed the game. You know, people that are looking for jobs are looking for jobs that they can do remotely. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I am, I will say there's been some good things for going back into the office and the fact that it's actually improved my ability to go out and be around people. Um, I feel like I'm, as I'm adjusting more to being around people, some of my social anxiety has certainly decreased. Uh, but, you know, I'm also a if-it-fucks-me-up-face-it kind of person. So, and it's been really good because I, you know, I'm friends. Like, I work with Drew. <laughs> you know, I have, I they're, you know, my work buddies are like, like my other family sort of, you know? Yeah. So I like going in and seeing them. And I certainly love going to the cafeteria. Also, uh, right now, Melody is sort of one of my coworkers, but oh, yeah. mm -hmm. in in the big office. Mm -hmm. So, so we we chat at work. <laughs> um, so the next part, um, the game that is not mentioned. Oh shit! <clears throat> now I know this game has caused a lot of controversy, and yes, Rob, the boycotting on this game did indeed backfire. I have no desire to play this game. I know people who do. They can separate the art from the artist, and that's them, but I will not berate someone for playing it. That falls under the rule of fuck around and find out. I won't go in into any further on my thoughts on the game because the three of you said it already. Y'all said it in a way that I could not, and I thank you for it. And as for Jamie going beyond this and talking about how to help and support marginalized people, I could give you a great big hug. Oh, you make me feel good. You are the epitome of ally support for us. I honestly feel that those who do not know the struggle should uh, take a page from y'all's support book and learn. And while we're here, I know that it was discussed how Saudi Arabia's investment in Nintendo does not sit well with us. The issue that Nintendo doesn't know, the issue is that Nintendo doesn't know the issue and does not care. For example, there was a Saudi Arabian cosplay contest with a top prize of 10 grand. A lot of American cosplayers boycotted it, where European, Asian, and other international cosplayers entered. Their reason was simply what's going on between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia has nothing to do with me. So much for solidarity. And one more thing, Rob. I know that you've mentioned on this sh uh, how the show can get political. Fuck it, let it be. The topics that come up affect all of us one way or another, and we need to know. For some people, podcasts are the only way people find out anything, so please keep it up. There's a lot more I want to discuss, but the show is only so long. That's all for now. Take care, one and all. Um, and that's from Rajan. To be clear on the politics thing, it's not that I want to completely steer clear of politics. And I think what ties into some of what you said, too, is that, you know, keep in mind that Dark Sakura and I 
both also represent marginalized communities in one way or another. You know, we've not been shy about that over the years of the show. And to Loki's credit as well, because it's his show too, even if he is our token cishet, you know, white guy on the show, he knows when to listen. For all this crap we give Loki about, he says a lot when it comes to Nintendo and how it's run and some of the other things. Loki knows when to listen, right, Loki? <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually the first step of allyship. Is it know- absolutely absolutely it is and and the thing is that don't listen to reply listen to absorb don't and not everything it's taken me time to learn this too not everything needs to be tweeted sometimes just listen that's all you need to do read oh and i'll add this too sometimes not everything is about you that's that's right too absolutely so I told that to somebody and he blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the politics is concerned, I'm not like, like, look, I do not want mm-hmm. this to be one of those. This is a chill stream. Therefore, we don't talk about politics like politics affects everybody. And for many of the reasons we've outlined before on this program, I don't need to rehash them right now. My stance is. I want to find the balance of making sure we're still covering the topic that people came here to discuss and interjecting as well an awareness of the world around us that these games exist in. So sometimes I just want to walk the line of finding that balance and making sure that we are doing our best to educate, show the other perspectives, and not berate, although there are some things that need to be berated, last name Kotick, first name Bobby, as an example. Not the Bobby that's on this network, you all know what There's I'm talking more about. There's more that needs to be done apart from beration. So that's kind of my stance on it. So just just know, like sometimes if I'm like, okay, let's move on, it's only because I'm I'm realizing that the politics chalk has taken up a really really good chunk of the show, and sometimes all you can do, and I talked about this when we talked about the game that shall not be named. Sometimes all you can do is put the information in front of somebody. Watch how they use that information. That will inform what your relationship may may or may not look like moving forward. How they treat receiving that information. And it's as simple as that. Well, Good email. Yes, very good email. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up uh, the other email from YYR. All right. Oh, the font is so small. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, which is fine by by me. I can read small font, but it's just all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is much smaller. Hello, LR. I was super happy to hear that Afterburner Climax was chosen as last episode's OLR Classic Game of the Week. I've put a lot of hours into that game, and it's one of my favorite Sega games of the Lindbergh era. It's an action-packed masterpiece in every respect, and to see an almost arcade-perfect port make its way to Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 seemed like a surreal miracle. The announcement of the port came out of nowhere. You might be wondering, just how did that happen anyway? Well, I have a theory. One one of you mentioned the Afterburner-styled level in Bayonetta. I think that was me. Well, there was an article posted by Destructoid in October 2009, link below, <coughs> sorry, um, about an interview with Bayonetta cr- uh, creator um, Hideki Kamiya. Shortly after the game was released, Kamiya was asked that, uh, what Sega game he wanted to see next. And out of all the millions of things he could have asked for, he instead humbly requested a home version of Afterburner Climax. I remember seeing this article when it came out. I'm not sure if OLR covered it, but I didn't have time to check. 
But surely enough, six months later, boom, Kamiya got his wish, and so did everyone else looking for a thrilling fight combat game in the comfort of their homes. There's only one thing in the arcade version that didn't make it home, the two-player pair play mode. Sadly, I've never been able to try it. I wonder if there are any arcades left that have two working machines. Yeah, I've only seen a single machine. Um, One thing I absolutely must mention regarding this game is that I was engaged in hardcore head-to-head combat with fellow longtime listener SSJ100 Matt on Xbox 360, (laughs) on the Xbox 360 version. We went back and forth for, what, a whole year, maybe more? Each of us topped the other's previous best score more than a handful of times until finally Matt achieved his current best of 1,631,770, number 121 overall on the leaderboard out of almost 59,000 players, besting my 185th place personal record by about 140K. I've always intended to go back and put in the work, but I'll be honest, it's been over 10 years since then, and I'm not sure my reflexes are still good enough to improve any further. But that's a thing for another time. And then, uh, Jamie, I did not miss your mention of Dead Storm Pirates. That is another one of my favorite games. In fact, it's the very first video game I ever played with my wife, Amy, in the Times Square Dave & Busters. I still have my PS3 hooked up and my two GunCon 3s handy whenever we need to go back to it, and my four-year-old already enjoys watching us play it. If for some reason you wanted to make Dead Storm a classic game of the week, I would absolutely love the opportunity to produce this segment. Hey, cool. You just tell me how much time to fill, and I will fill it. Side note, I probably will record audio and send it to you if you do it, so then you'll you'll know what to fill. Um, I'll also, end on this. Also going to say, if we for- forecast that you're going to be out for a week <laughs> in the future, that might be a thing we can do for yeah. a guest segment. I'll also end on this. I did not miss the mention of the Game Grumps playing super multitasking on their stream. Thank you very much, as always, for the kind words. I will say that, unfortunately, this alone did not create the sustained word of mouth that would have been required for the game to actually become popular. However, I did get enough money out of it to buy a brand new gaming computer and monitor replace my 10-year-old Frankenrig. So so I can now play DDR at 120 FPS, since the latest PC version supports that, and I'm all set for early access on Hades 2 whenever that happens. Damn right I have my priorities straight. Oh, there was one other awesome thing that came out of this. I finally have double-digit reviews on Steam, so now I have an average rating. Positive instead of nine user reviews. Uh, that was up there for literally years. Woohoo! Sorry for the long email, although I guess I'm not that sorry. Otherwise, I wouldn't have sent it. Oh, well. Thanks again <laughs> for the show, and congrats on the big 950. See you later, Aaron YYR. Thanks, YYR. And uh, although I'm I'm disappointed to hear that the um, uh, the the moment in the spotlight of your game is not sustaining, a new computer is a pretty nice tip. So I'm I'm glad at least you're getting right? something that you can spoil yourself with out of that because you know you've done so many fun things and poured your heart into these projects. You know between you know bungee ferret tossing and you know super multitasking and so forth. I'm really glad that now you at least can get something like tangible out of it. So while I still wish your game would get the visibility on a mass scale that it deserves, um, I'm really glad at least you got a moment. Uh, to quote my spouse, it beats a sharp stick in the eye. It does beat a sharp stick in the eye. And you know what? That's true. Sometimes, and believe me, I know this from doing a podcast for 20, 21 years, and my co-host will probably agree. Sometimes you don't want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> Sometimes... <laughs> Being at that 
I'm getting a new computer that maybe that that's an okay level to be at. <laughs> All right. I could use a little bit more spotlight. <laughs> well, you might have years. you might have one coming, so we'll uh, see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, fingers. I, I, it's it's hard to be enthusiastic like about that kind of stuff. Like you know, kids are you know, like I said, we've been doing so- this for like twenty one years, and go, we're still in so much obscurity. Go. Okay. Wait. What? How do I? How do I um, find that that reply that you wrote to the um, Minecraft people with your video? Oh, you just. It was it just hashtag um uh what was it feature me my it's hashtag feature me Minecraft is all in word. Okay, hold on, because I'm gonna I'm gonna figure because we gotta we gotta find the way to help help Loki out right now. Okay, so feature me Minecraft. Well, some people have some pretty interesting things here. Okay, oh look look fourth one down. Oh my gosh, look at this. This is such a good screenshot that you have here. And for the podcast listeners, cool. it's one of the fish from uh, the Bubble Man stage in, in uh, Mega it's Man Enko. 2. Is that the name of it? I never knew the name. Yeah. Um, recreated in Minecraft. These are so cool. And in 3D. It's it's hard because Anko had th- literally three illustrations of it. That is, that is it. That is all that exists. And same with Octopur. So here's what I'm going to do to help Loki out to get noticed. I'm going to make sure I like that post most importantly. And then I'm going to reply to it and I'm going to put, this is so cool. I hope they pick you. <laughs> and then I'm going to retweet it. And look at that. I'm helping with visibility. So I appreciate that. If if everybody goes in there and does something similar, I mean, don't make it obvious you were told to do so, but just like a retweet, it's going to help Loki out big time. If even just like five people listening tonight did that, it would be helpful. So awesome. Good luck to you. <laughs> All right. What? what? I just, oh, <laughs> uh, Bobby. What, uh, what did he say? But like how Rob doesn't use the arrows between the four images and closes the real. I guess I'm a, I'm a, look, that's how often I use Twitter anymore. That's for sure. Hey, even wow. Wow. Loki, this, this alone should be worth the hours upon hours of effort you put into this. Shad Leland or Shane is in chat saying that stuff was top notch. No joke. Shane isn't impressed by anything. is isn't like, you know pokemon well, so yeah i mean like that's, like that's said, quite the compliment that, that one build the the octopus the octopur um took like it was like 80 hours or so to put together and it's it's three hundred thousand blocks that that's my starter base that one right there the met so that that's always fun um yeah but that one right there and they're all functional too so like that right there is a guardian or a uh, guardian farm so underneath there's a um the guardian so temple wild. and they go inside there and then they end up in an xp farm and then the octopus is actually covering up a stacking raid farm so it's all functional stuff um and it's huge like even just building in my base i am now like i see that octopus out just on the the ocean like out there it's it's enormous. My base is going to be enormous. <laughs> it already is enormous. And each each section of the base I do is like a size of another mega base. It's like ridiculous. 
Well, and and Shane and anyone listening, so Shane actually further went on to say it honestly looks better than the official Mega Man X pack they just put out. Well, keep in mind, Loki gives tours of all of these in his videos. So if you aren't, you know, for those that have no idea, because they're listening on the podcast feed, which is great. We love you too. Uh, Loki's Twitter to retweet and all that is over at Loki, O-L-R, all one word. Uh, on Twitter, and then uh, of course his YouTube channel is same thing, right? Or is there an underscore on YouTube? Yeah, it's just, it's uh, well, YouTube has that wonderful at thing now, so you can just do youtube.com slash at Loki OLR. Perfect. So, and then uh, make sure you can Pretty actually following you watch those videos. So fabulous. We just passed 800 subs, so nice. Slowly making it there. And subs are free. They're like follows on Twitch. That's the free because sub on Twitch means money. But sub, right. yeah. Wow, I think you ha- you know what you have more follows on YouTube than I think Dark Sakura or I or Vogue Network have on Twitch. So maybe you shouldn't be complaining. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah, no, you are. You are. Um, uh, I think Vogue Network is sadly in last place. We need to we need to up the visibility here. Um, it's not a contest, but uh, we need to up the visibility here at Vogue Network because when one of us wins, we all win. That's Which, the power of networking. By the way. Mm. We need to have a power meeting. Okay. Soon, but not tonight. All right. All right. Uh, I think with that, we're done. I didn't see anybody join the green room. So that is it. Plus we're running a little long anyway. So I want to make sure we wrap up. I already told you I'm I'm starting to fade as the night goes on and I get to go back to work tomorrow. Woo. At least I work at home. I get to to message the queen of of chaos. I get to read 5,000 emails. Uh, when I get back to work tomorrow. So let's go around and get final thoughts and say our good nights and all that good stuff. Um, Dark Sakura, of course, I'll start with you. I know you're going to go do some Dead by Daylight after the show tonight. Um, do you have a final thought for our listeners tonight? Um, you know how everyone, ca- how people call Dead by Daylight Debbie Delight? Mm-hmm. I was I was watching some scenes from Singles the other day, and there's the character Debbie. And all of a sudden, my brain went to... Come to where the action is. Come to Debbie Town. <laughs> and you'd have to see that movie to get it. But Well, stay yeah. tuned for some Debbie Town after the show. Yep. Later, taters. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, I forgot my usual spiel. If you enjoyed what you heard here at Orange Lounge Radio, tell a friend or two about the show. Help us spread the word because we are the show where every gamer has a voice, but we need more voices to put out on air. A nice five-star review on a site like iTunes or uh, Spotify, wherever it is you found this show, those go an awful long way. Uh, A like and a retweet (laughs) go an awful long way. That's for sure. Loki, your final thought for tonight. I'm just going to be working more on content creation. Still want to try to get back down to uh, weekly videos but it's just i i do too i overscope everything you know it's a problem but at the same time those mega man things god damn that's so impressive so yeah although yes i agree and i you you do need to lower your scope damn sometimes (laughs) when you do it it's like okay wow yeah i mean it's it's, i can't uh, help myself i have to keep doing that (laughs) think about the advice i gave square enix earlier do do the low hanging fruit to give that platform. I then I know I I just need to pace want. myself. Yes, you That's do. All. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, my final thought is uh, I'll be back to doing some streaming this week as well uh, over my personal channel, Rob Roberts. I will be doing some uh, theater them a couple days this week, and I'll be doing No Man's Sky on Tuesday, Thursday. 
Of course, again, Star Trek Cruise wrap-up here at Vogue Network. So check that out. If nothing else, even if you give, could give a shit about Star Trek or the cruise, come watch me get yelled at for playing Overwatch badly. Uh, I'm subjecting myself to that for y'all's entertainment. That's going to do it. Uh, thanks so much for being here for our 950th episode. 50 more until we hit 1,000 weekly podcasts. And not a lot of internet shows have hit 1,000 weekly episodes i know some uh other like gaming and other shows they've, they've hit a thousand episodes for maybe multiples a week and so forth but not a lot uh on any topic really that have made the thousand weekly episodes club so thank you all uh for making that uh, a, a distinct reality for our show as we move in to the next year and beyond have a good week everybody we'll see you next time here on orange lounge radio good night you've been listening to orange lounge radio Orange Lounge Radio is a production of OLR Studios. To join us for our live show, tune in to VogNetwork.com Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff of Orange Lounge Radio nor Vogue Network, but you know they were all still true.